The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Do you think All right. I'm still trying to get YouTube working. The story of my life. I love that song. If I had my way, we'd play the whole thing. The, the, guy, the guy who sings this song, Melvin Taylor, is going to open up our charity bash on March 23rd singing no this song. Yeah, That's he does awesome. it every year. That's he comes. fantastic. Oh, He's the only guy in the room that gets paid because it's a Friday night and his band would be all playing. So yeah. I called him one year and I said, we'd love to have you open the bash as if it's the radio show and start with the Paying Attention song live. And as soon as you get to, like, the first line, everyone's going to know that, hey, that's the guy that actually sings that song, not someone it. covering it's it. awesome. So he comes every year. We throw him, a, we throw him $100 or something just for his night. And uh, he comes, he sings, he plays one song, and he enjoys himself for the rest oh, of the night. Oh, wow. yeah. That's great. That's terrific. So... So we're live, we're on, we're going to do a show. I don't we're know, here. We should just kind of sit here and chat for the rest of the day. What that do you works. Think? So just forget the whole show, yeah. all the preparation. We'll just sit here and like just talk about stuff, right? Sounds good. So Fred and, uh, hey, by the way, hey, I'm Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention podcast. Uh, we do this little show here from 2 to 4 every Thursday afternoon at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe on uh, Route 28 in Salem, New Hampshire, right above Two Guys Smoke Shop. You might want to come in and uh, buy a couple of cigars. Um, Dave Garofalo, the owner here, was nice enough to give us a, uh, for our charity event, uh, March 2030, he was nice enough to give us a um, eight-person cigar tasting uh, valued at three hundred dollars for our wow, raffle. For our awesome. raffle, he, love it. Yeah, he came over. He said your raffle's going to benefit the veterans. Here, I want to donate this. So that's awesome. Uh, so that was nice of Dave. We that's appreciate him. Yeah, we appreciate wow. him doing that. And um, we also have uh, Twin Lights Security. We've got Patrick from Twin Lights. I'm going to try and get him up here on the show before the end of the show at some point. Nice. Um, they do amazing work in the community. You know, it's not like McDonald's or Burger King or any of these um, chain stores can afford to have a Methuen cop or a Salem. New Hampshire cop outside, you know, watching for trouble all day, like Denny's and Lawrence, right? They used right. to have to pay enormous amounts of money for a Lawrence cop because there was always problems. Well, Patrick runs a uh, one, runs Twin Lights Security and Investigation. So not only do they do investigations if you're getting divorced or you think someone for your company is stealing from you, they can investigate, but they also do security. And so they, they have contracts with like McDonald's and a whole bunch of no places way. that used to oh, hire. Wow, that's cool. They used to hire cops, but they couldn't afford it. Now they hire guys like Patrick. Wow. So if you own a business out there and you need security at the door, a nightclub or uh, McDonald's or, or any kind of business where you th- you're in a rough neighborhood, you think maybe just having security might help out, Twin Lights Security is the place to call. That's the, you should, Patrick's the guy you, that's should, great. you should be picking that's up. That's awesome. Phone. That's excellent. And we also want to thank Joe Zingales, Century 21, uh, Team Zingales. Uh, if you're looking to buy a house, please buy a house from these people. When we were in our charity event last year, they gave us $3,000 scholarship for a Lawrence High kid. Awesome. Um, when we do our police rallies, they sponsor it. When we do political debates, they sponsor it. And they're a, 
sponsor of this show. What, if, I, if I went to him and said, I want to start a coffee company, he'd be like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> like, whatever we want to do, he never says no to us. So if you're thinking about buying or selling a house, call Joe or Rosanna Zingales. Buy a house from these people. Sell a house with these people. They help us. By helping them, you help us. So if you want to help us... Help our advertisers, that's what I say. And then we get Angelo, one more, and then we'll get to real content. Uh, Angelo from uh, A&B Auto in South Lawrence. This is a guy that had a business, I think, in like South Boston somewhere, Everett or somewhere. And he moved his business into Lawrence. Now, I know lots of people trying to move their business out of Lawrence. Can't right. wait to get out of Lawrence. <laughs> right. But this is a guy that said, you know what? I, I have faith in Lawrence, and I'm going to go into Lawrence, and I'm going to try and, 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 and employ some people yeah. and run a business. So A&B Auto on South Broadway in Lawrence, near the, it's the old Metropolitan Building. Uh-huh. Um, A&M Auto. A&M Auto. A&M Auto. What did I say? I said it wrong? A&B. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let's do that one again. No, so he's right. a mechanic? All right, Tom. Take two. A&M Auto. A&M Auto. So, um, all right. So let's get to some news. Now, awesome. Meredith hasn't been here. I'm back. And I told her yesterday there's no show if you're not here today. <laughs> because I can't go three day. I cannot go three shows in a row. First, without eye candy. Look how absolutely beautiful she is, right? Oh. But secondly, like being around beautiful women, it brings my spirits up. So it's like you don't have to marry me. You don't have to make out with me. You don't have to have sex with me. You don't have to. You, you don't even have to flirt back at me. Just being around beautiful women puts me in my A game, and I need that. So if I feel like I was floundering the last, not anything against Fred, but I, I just I don't kind of go that way and <laughs> and i need something to you motivate know, me so having know. meredith here having meredith here means this is going to be a great show he's so sweet yeah, I've, been accused of, I've been accused of being a lot of things. Sweet has never been one of them. Never but I'll, once. I'll take it. Never once. So what do you guys got for news for us? You really want me to follow that with straight news? <laughs> no, I mean, not that's, really. That's very difficult. We were, saying, we were saying off the air. I mean, really. Paul and I did a show. We had a guest that never showed up one day when we were at CAP. And um, we didn't know what to do. And so we decided to do a whole show on something like we'd never done before because it's usually like a serious political show. Yep. And we did a show on relationships. And it was the funniest effing show we have ever done ever, even to this day. It was one of the best shows we ever did. Because I had, like, ex-girlfriends calling up going, that's not true. You just lied because when we were together, and it was a really funny show, and it's not what we're used to doing. So I think at some point, uh, Paul and I did talk about this this morning, we may actually come in and do a relationship show just for fun. That could be fun. We'll do news. I'll bring popcorn. Right. We'll do news, and then we'll do, and then we'll do relationships. And my ex-girlfriends will be Skyping in going, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> so what do you oh guys boy. got for news? All right, Tom. So we're going to start out with a late-breaking story that is being covered right now by the Boston Globe. And this relates to... You probably saw this. Do you remember last weekend, there was a group of dirt bikers riding their bikes down Route 93 down in downtown Boston? I do. It was on the uh, Southeast Expressway. They were down by Exit 18. And they had about 25 or 35 of these people. They were doing donuts in the middle of the road, caused chaos at the scene. Well, totally unsafe. Totally unsafe. So one of those um, drivers was injured when a state police trooper uh, opened fire on him with a rifle. And he was shot in the foot. Well, the Boston Globe has been doing some research into this. They've been doing some They're not digging. exactly police-friendly at the not Boston exactly Globe. Not exactly police-friendly. No. We're going to tell you exactly how in a second here. So they are now announcing that the Mass State Police Trooper who fired that shot um, has a, quote, long history of posting racist and profane <gasps> comments on a website called Mass Cops, including some in support of police officers who shoot suspects. <gasps> oh, my God. That we, we, we need to quarter and feather him right now. 
We should put his name on every single news, news station with a big Nazi symbol on it. He should lose his job and never be able to work ever again. He should never, ever be able to ever work anywhere because he put things on Facebook that somebody says was racist, that somebody interpreted as racist. Well, so Ridiculous. The, the, the spokesman for the Mass State Police is saying, quote, the tone and nature of those posts are repugnant and clearly do not reflect the values, ideals, and opinions of the Massachusetts State Police. If the author is confirmed to be a member of the State Police Department, we will take appropriate action. Yeah, they're going to puss out like they always do. And that's one of the reasons why the bullies, the social media bullies, and the left-wing bullies have been so successful in our culture of silencing people who don't agree with them. First, what they do is if they don't like your political opinion, they label it hate. Mm -hmm. And then when you express that opinion, they complain to people saying that it's hate. And because they said it was hate, it gets taken down or you lose your job, your family leaves you, you lose your mortgage. They want to destroy you. And it's not because you're hateful. Mm -hmm. It's because you don't agree with their politics. So you're a bad person and they have to to retaliate against you. I learned that today. Hopefully you'll be talking... I learned that this week. Hopefully you'll be talking about that in another news segment. Well, it's kind of interesting because if you read this story, so the, the way that this story is written by the Boston Globe, and we can, we can read a little bit of it here, uh, they say that this individual uh, does not know if they were hit by a bullet or not. They believe that they were shot. Well, and he was running away, wasn't he? Most people usually he? know. He was running away from the officer. Listen, if, I'm, if I get shot, I'm pretty sure I know it. You usually know. <laughs> just, you, I'm you just usually saying. know. Yeah. So this guy's really saying he wasn't sure if he got shot? Montero's attorney said Wednesday that he believes, his client believes he was shot. He believes he was shot. He believes he was shot. Not okay. sure, but he believes it. All right, okay, so I'm an investigative reporter. I'm going to just throw caution to the wind. Let's just ask some questions to see if maybe some of this makes sense. Maybe we're missing something. Does he have an injury showing that maybe he got shot? <laughs> you would think. Right? Yeah. Did they explain kind any of, of that? The territory. Right. Because today you can just say whatever you want. It doesn't have to be true. But the media will report it as true if it goes along with their political narrative. So we know the globe hates cops. We know, they're in, they, we know that they cheer when cops get killed. And we know that they do everything they can to humiliate law enforcement because apparently they're all a bunch of white, evil racists. Um, so what's the evidence? What's the evidence that he might believe he could have almost maybe been shot? We'll we don't have that. I, we don't have that. I think you yeah, should look yeah. into it. You well, must have some uh, sources um, there that could... We need to dig a little bit, yeah. I do. I know one of the guys that was involved that night. That's how we got the story up before anybody else on yeah. really? my page. Yeah. Um, the video, by the way, if you've seen it on social I've media, seen it. it's, it's insane. It's in- my parents incredible. got stuck driving home in that. Really? They were surrounded, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be the new social justice warrior thing to disrupt s- society. Remember when the idiots were on 93 and they chained themselves together? Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, they found out real quickly that no matter how liberal Massachusetts people are, if you fuck with their driving, they will kill you. <laughs> right? So it doesn't really matter what their politics are. They might even agree with you, but they're running you over if you get in their way. And by the way, as it should be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyways. Uh, well, so, Tom. So yes. That's how the Boston Globe and how they're covering police right now. So you have a very different and counter story that is very pro-law enforcement, I believe. And this was a bunch of law enforcement officials who were honored in Lawrence last night. Yeah, so Lawrence... You were there, right? Yeah, Lawrence has been hiring police officers, which which is great. Uh, Dan Rivera's getting all kinds of grants, and he's been trying to move budget things around to try and increase the police presence in Lawrence, which is awesome. So we give him credit for that. Right. Um, 
because he's doing it. And the new chief, Chief Vask, also doing a great job, at least so far. Um, yesterday, they had a press conference to announce that they were hiring these police officers. They brought the police officers in, all seemed to be really nice kids. Um, and I call them kids because, like, I'm 100 years old now. <laughs> um, so to me, everybody's a kid. Um, and I got some video. I was live. I went Facebook oh, live. Great. I finally got out of Facebook jail. Hopefully, you're going to be talking about that during well, the news. I think we might have a reference to that, yeah. But I finally got out of Facebook jail about 10 minutes before this event happened, and I realized it in the audience, so I jumped in my car and I ran. Um, and I got some video. Now, I don't want to take away from the positiveness of hiring police officers. However, during this um, conversation, um, or during this press conference, uh, Dan Rivera said something that kind of hit me wrong. And so I wanted to make sure I understood it. I wasn't really breaking his chops, so I'm pretty sure it came across that way. But he said something that hit me wrong. It just didn't seem right to me. It didn't seem correct, I should say. Okay. Um, so I kind of asked him to clarify it a little bit, and it, it turned out that I actually did hear him right. Uh, Stu, uh, maybe we can pull up that first uh, Dan Rivera clip. This is me asking a question of the Lawrence mayor about racism in pe policing. Um, I was just wondering, you, you mentioned this Castro rule and race, and I'm wondering why race would have anything to do with hiring police officers. Can you explain that a little bit to those of us who think maybe we should just be hiring the best people regardless of race? Um, there was a time in this community where um, the representation of the police force was not reflective of the people who live in the community. And so um, a group of citizens went to court and uh, in the case, um, and that case was won, um, I think, in the 70s. And basically it said that 25% of the police force hiring practice in order to get the diversity um, would get so they, they, that was the, the law of the land, um, literally up till uh, 2014 when I first came when I first came into office. And we went back to civil service and we said, "Hey, um, this isn't working out for us because it's having the adverse effect." Um, but because and the, the uh, attorney general's office, they come to an agreement on, "Hey, we don't want the case to go away, but we don't, you know, for some reason the, the makeup of the community changes." Um, we do want to have some, some diversity in the police force. Can you just explain why you think, because you said that, that it wasn't reflective of the race of the people here. Why is that important if police officers well, are just doing a great job? Part. You know, what we, what we decided, what we figured out after we did the research, um, there was an 80% chance, 80% chance that if you called for help, um, the responding police officer would be someone that couldn't speak your language. I Should language be the requirement, not race? I'm just telling you that it's easier for us to respond to the needs of the community if we have police officers that, that have those skills. And I think that's what we have today, is that we have police officers not only that speak the language, but also understand the community in ways they were before. Um, and so, you know, this is a service-based operation, like every other city operation, so we want to provide a good service. Um, and I think that that's the, the, we meet people where they are, not necessarily where we want them to be. So Oh, you can cut that, too. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting, and for those of you who had a hard time hearing it. So what he basically said, guys, was that there's this state law called the Castro Rule, mm -hmm. where um, it was implemented so that 25% of police hires would have to be minority, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is actually the definition of racism, but we'll get to that. Um, and that it wasn't working for Lawrence, because apparently it says uh, 20, up to 25%. 
right? So if so, they couldn't hire. If they were hiring four people, they couldn't hire two minorities. Mm -hmm. And so what he said was, it wasn't working for us. It was having the adverse effect of what we wanted, because it didn't reflect the population of the people that we're serving. So and that, naturally, people who think for themselves and don't just buy into propaganda would ask, which is what I asked. Why is that important? What does it matter what someone's skin color is? And he said, well, you know, people would go call the police and the person wouldn't speak their language. So, okay. Next most logical question. Then why is race the issue and not language? Why shouldn't we just have a mandate that anybody who wants to become a Lawrence police has to learn Spanish? Right. And... He, 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 didn't, he didn't even really seem to like that idea because, because then white people who speak Spanish might get jobs. Right. And so he's not saying that, but that is what he's saying, right? Yeah. He's not saying those words, but that's what he's saying. Right. So he was really unhappy that more white people were getting jobs than minorities, which again, definition of racism, textbook definition of racism. And so, well, look, I think it's great that we've got seven cops. And I don't care what the process is, how they were hired. Hopefully, they do a great job. Hopefully, they're safe out there. Hopefully they don't, they're get, safe, they don't right? get hurt. Yep. Um, and hopefully, they can back up their guys and they can do a great job for the people. But I have a real hard time with any elected official in the United States of America in 2018, 17, 18. Where are we now? 18. I don't even know anymore. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, having conversations, even in public, no less, about how it is that we have to hire people based on the color of their flipping skin. Right. This isn't the 60s. Mm -hmm. And really what he said was, there's no way around it. We didn't want to hire more white people. That's what he was saying. And I've got a real problem with that. And Dan Rivera is not a racist. I'm not saying he's a racist. I know liberals believe if you say something that is racist, that makes you racist. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I think people who aren't racist can say things that are racist all the time and doesn't still make them racist. So I don't think Dan's a racist at all. But he has some very bizarre views on race. And when you're hiring somebody based on their race, that is the textbook definition of race. So, Well, your question was fair. I, yeah. I tried to be fair. And by the way, kudos to him. He very easily could have said, hey, listen, I'm not going to put up with that race right. crap today. And he could have right. just moved on. But he answered the question. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons I really do like Dan Rivera, even though we agree, on almost, even though we agree on almost nothing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right? So, all right. I've already eaten like an hour out of news just yeah, chatting yeah. about that's other okay. stuff. Yeah. But okay. that's okay. Well, but we got to ask you about one more thing. Okay. That is, you know, while we're on sort of police blotter type stuff. Tom Duggan was in Facebook jail this week. Yeah. How much time you got? Uh, well, we got a little bit. I, we I got a two-hour so show. Go on your hey, Mark, Mark Robers from Prospect Hills. So we're not going to get to you. They just asked me a question. It's going to be three hours to answer I that. I go on the Facebook page, and there's a picture of Tom, and his mouth is covered yeah. because he's censored by Facebook. Yeah. So how do you find what out that you you're in Facebook jail? What did you do to What is this? What? Come on. <laughs> I don't know which question to answer first. So I go online. Um, first thing in the morning, whatever day that was, because all my days, I don't sleep, so every day merges into the next day. Um, and I couldn't sign on. And a, a notification came up with something that I had posted about the transgender girl who was a wrestler who won the championship. I don't know if you saw it, it was a big story I did last see that, week. Yeah. And what I basically posted was um, this girl has a mental illness. And it's not helping her that everyone around her is pretending that she doesn't have a mental illness. And it's not helping her that she thinks she's a boy and everybody is pretending she's a boy. Basically, that's what I said. Because you know what? Not for anything. I'm sorry if I'm hurting people's feelings, but facts are facts, right? Men and women, newsflash here on the Paying Attention radio program podcast, men are men and women are women. Men have different brain chemistry than women. Every single cell in their body has a chromosome women don't have, 
or maybe women have that, don't, that men don't have. Men and women are not the same. So if Bruce Jenner wants to wear a dress, listen, if everybody around him wants to pretend he's a woman, that's fine if that's what they want to do. But don't tell me I'm a bad person because I'm not playing along. Because as far as I'm concerned, Bruce Jenner is Bruce Jenner is Bruce Jenner. Now, I do have one caveat to that that we talked about last week. If he had his male genitalia taken off, like if he's that committed to being a woman, then I'm willing to play along. Like if you're, if, but if you're just walking around wearing a dress and I'm supposed to call you Nancy, uh, listen, I'm sorry if I'm hurting your feelings. I'm not calling you Nancy. I'm just not going to do it. All right? So to me, truth is important. That's what I posted. Facebook called it hate. And so they, did someone report you? Somebody had reported me. Uh, and so all of a sudden, I couldn't post. I couldn't like. I couldn't read my instant messages. And by the way, they don't tell you how long you're in jail. Hmm. Right? So you, it, as far as you know, it's indefinite until they just decide to let you back right. out. And so about an hour after I went into Facebook jail, I got three more notifications because apparently the little snowflakes that reported the first thing <laughs> decided to go through the rest of my news feed back to 2009 oh. when I started my account. That's commitment. And now I've, wow. been, I've had t- over 200 things reported and removed from my Facebook page. Wow. They've removed one-third of the photos in my photo gallery because apparently now photos are offensive, right? I had, I had a photo gallery of me when I was the MC at the Greater Boston Tea Party's tea, Tax Day Tea Rally yeah. a few years ago. Gone. They're all gone. The videos are gone. Wow. The pictures are gone. Wow. Because apparently seeing a sign about the Tea Party is hate, and that's going to make somebody go do a school shooting or something. Wow. According to the left-wing fascists. Mm. So Facebook is a, is a fascist organization. They don't care about free speech. They care that you think what they want you to think, and if you don't, they're going to silence you. And I made phone calls. You wouldn't believe the phone calls I made. <laughs> you, you think I'm tough? Probably when I, would believe it. You yeah. think I'm tough when I'm in a good mood? You should uh-uh. see me when I'm pissed. And I was on the phone with Facebook. And by the way, you call Facebook, you can't get a real person for the first four hours you try. Right. They don't want to talk to you. apparently Facebook, there's nobody that actually works there. It's right. all bots and right. Mark Zuckerberg somewhere with a laptop. Right. And so I, I finally did get someone on the phone. And I explain to them who I am and what I do, right? I'm not just some guy who's out there trying to hate on transgenders. I'm a news guy with a radio show, and I'm trying to spur a debate on these issues and discussion on these issues so the public will will make their own mind up. I don't care if they agree with me or they don't agree with me. She was having none of it, or he was having none it of doubled it. Your I, have, I have a feeling he might have been a transgender, the guy I had on the phone. So, so I, I just I, I banged my head on my desk for like two straight days because I couldn't get on Facebook. But we found a way around it. And I'm not going to say live how we found a way around it, but we found a way around it. And within an hour, my Facebook page was back. Really? Up. So I don't know how long that's going to last. Right. Because by the end of this show, I might have lost my Facebook account <laughs> again. But yeah, that's what happened. And it's very scary. Because as funny as it is, and as funny as I try to make it, the fact is they can silence you. And not only silence you, but they can purge your page. They can, they can edit your page. Mm-hmm. They can pull down things that represent what you believe or what you're trying to express about what someone else believes. Right. And when one or two people control all of the tech companies on the planet, that's the beginning of the next Nazi Germany. It really is. Because if you're going to get punished, if you're afraid to say what you really believe because you're afraid you're going to lose your privilege to be on Facebook, um, look, I, I use Facebook for my business. Right. I mean, I can't even tell you how much money I lost the two days that I couldn't even access my instant messaging because I had adver- potential advertisers right. going, hey, Tom, can yeah. you send me some rates? How much to sponsor the bash? Hey, we've got a gift basket for your raffle. For two days, I couldn't access any of that stuff. Yeah, it's not cool. So I, I don't know what the solution is. I think one of the solutions 
government needs to regulate all of these social media platforms as if they are utilities. They're monopolies, and they're providing content even though they're lying and saying that they're not. Right. If they're going to take down my post because they don't like my position, that means they're controlling content. And if they're controlling content, they need to be regulated by the government. Who would have thought you'd hear right-wing Republican Tea Party Tom right. Duggan saying the government should regulate anything? Yep. But this is scary. Yep. Well, if you think censorship is bad, wait till you <laughs> hear the next that, story oh Meredith no. has. Oh, a, yeah. Oh, no. A dairy business has announced it is going to turn away customers who appear to be Republicans. According to Bill Williams, owner of the store, which is some kind of repair shop for Apple computers, if you affiliate with the Republican Party, you are not welcome in our store. We will not offer you service. As if that's not bad enough, Williams says the decision of whom to turn away is based on a person's looks. He says the store decides who's a Republican, quote, just by the way you look in person or in a photo. Asked why he is imposing this new policy, he says, at this point, the Republicans are the biggest threat to causing World War III. Right. I'm dying to go down there. So the guy who acts like a Nazi by refusing service to people that he, do, he, that he thinks he might not like is saying that those people are the, are the dangerous to democracy. Yeah, I think we should all go down there and see if he well, can. Here's Absolutely. What, here's what we should do. So everybody that's listening that wants to get even with this guy, I got the perfect solution for you. We were talking to Jonathan about it earlier today. So what you do is you go into the store, but go in with a bunch of friends, right? Yeah. And you get a cart. What kind of shop? What kind of shop is this? A repair shop for Apple. Oh, so it's computers. a repair shop. So yeah. you go in with your laptop. You go in with your desktop. You put it down. You explain to the guy all the problems you're having with viruses. You take like an hour of his time, <laughs> and then just as he's about to like sign the thing and ask you for your credit card, I go, "Hey, that's weird. Did you see that news story about the guy that wouldn't service Republicans? I, I'm the I'm the president of the Wyndham Tea Party. I can't believe that right. guy. And then watch him try to refuse your yeah, service. Yeah, right, exactly. Now, if he tries to take your credit card, that's when you go. You know what? I think you're that guy. Take your credit card back and walk out. Yeah, right. yeah. Because the whole hour and a half he was talking to you, he exactly. wasn't making a sale, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. Bastard. Drives me crazy. It's kind of weird, it's though. Insane. Like, If he was denying a cake to a gay person, though, I'm pretty sure the government would step in on right. that. No, it's okay to discriminate against Republicans. If you want to discriminate against white people, Catholics, Christians, um, people with conservative political views, that kind of racism labeling and stereotyping is okay today. At the same time, we get lectured that labeling and stereotyping is bad. Right. Right? But it's only bad if it's labeling and stereotyping against a group that votes Democrat. Right? Right. So if it's a gay group, a transgender group, if it's a group that hates war, uh, you, you can't label lesbians, it can be uh, Muslims, anything that the left likes that votes Democrat, don't label and stereotype them. But if they don't, well, labeling and stereotyping is okay. Right. Right? Because yeah. racism isn't really racism if it's people we don't like. Yeah. Makes unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Insane. Talk about unbelievable stories. Tom, did you, you, you must have heard, you must have been following. It was a particularly violent week in the Merrimack Valley, and perhaps the most shocking story of all by far uh, happened in Winchester last weekend. Yeah, we reported that live. Yeah. We had, yep. that, we had that before all the Boston channels. Yep. So this was a, a young lady, uh, Deanna Kenny Stryker, who was a first-year medical student. She was brutally stabbed to death as she sat studying inside the Winchester Public Library on Saturday. And her alleged murderer, uh, one Jeffrey Yao, age 23, allegedly stabbed her 20 times in what appears to be a completely random act of violence. Well, as long as we ban guns, then we shouldn't be worried about right? these things. Yeah. Yao is being held without bail on a murder charge, and his lawyer has said that his, quote, history of mental illness, including multiple hospitalizations, is unquestionably related to the slaying. I mean, are we safe anywhere at this point? No. If that happens inside the Winchester no. Public Library. Listen, we, we have 
been lulled into a sense of false security in our free society. Uh-huh. In the year 2018, you're not safe anywhere. Now, the good news is one of the reasons that you're not safe anywhere is because we're more free. Right? right? We're more right. free than the rest of the world. Yeah. You're very safe in downtown Beijing. You know why? Because if somebody looks at you the wrong way, they can be shot. <laughs> So nobody dares to pick your pocket, right? Nobody dares to break into your house. Nobody dares to, you know, start a fight. Nobody domestically beats their wives. Because if you do, they kill you. Here in this country, we have more freedoms, and we're not safe. President uh, Trump said something yesterday that I wished, I wished that the snowflakes in, in, uh, in Generation Snowflake would understand, and that's that gun-free zones is like a giant flashing billboard that says shoot here Mm -hmm. because if you're a maniac with a gun and you want to go kill a bunch of people and you plan on getting away with it you're not planning on suicide right you're not planning on suicide by cop where are you gonna go like i go to amc movie theater now i pack right i go to my amc movie theater and before you walk in there's a sign that says gun free zone i laugh because you want to know something i'm walking in anyway I'm going to the movie anyway. But if someone walks in with a gun, I'm walking out alive. Right. Maybe everybody else is going to be dead because they're all gun-free. I'm going home that right. day. Right, right. Yep. And that's what people need to understand what these gun-free zones are. I would argue that the Democrats want this chaos. They want gun-free zones. They want children to be shot because it allows them to ramp up people's emotions to try and take people's guns. And that's their ultimate goal. They want to take your guns because... An armed populace is hard to control, and they want to control you. And look at what's going on with Facebook and YouTube and Google and everything else that we talked about. So. Well, my previous right. story. I'd go on nine more hours on that. Jinxed myself because my computer froze. Uh oh, you need. <laughs> I am go. gonna have to go to that guy's shop. You're gonna have to. That's not. He's, he's bugging you right here. So, Lawrence General Hospital recently hosted a team of journalists from Time Magazine who were following an expectant mother on methadone who was living with a foster family in the area. The three-person Time crew was at Lawrence General to document the newborn baby's first breath after a C-section and to spend time with the family post-delivery. This is just one of many stories in a special issue. Of of time focused entirely on the national opioid ec- epidemic, which is due out on March 5th. In advance of the printed version of the magazine, the coverage also includes an online blog by acclaimed photojournalist James Nachtway and a series of videos, both of which are now available to the public on the Time website. Have you checked it out yet? I haven't, no. I haven't I'm so busy. I haven't had a chance yeah. to really do much of anything. It's crazy. My life is crazy. Wow. That's, that's actually a pretty good story. And we, um, should, we should point out, rip from the pages of the Valley Patriots. Yeah, no, I always like when from, you do that. So. I appreciate when, <laughs> you, when, you, when you point that out. Yep. Um, because we do. People who follow us, and it's a small group of people. i got like 11,000 people that follow me on my Facebook page, like another 7,000 on the Valley Patriot page. And then, you know, between five and 10,000 on each other platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, all that. Um, if you're following us, you're going to get the news sometimes two or three days before Channel 457, Fox 25, or The Globe report it. Right. And um, we got this press release really early because we know somebody at Lawrence General. Oh, cool. And, uh, and we put it up. And one of the girls that works there said, oh, my God, I just got this in my inbox five minutes after I read it on your <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, we got a little bit of an advance because we, yeah. we know people everywhere. Right, That's right, right. But mostly, I'll give you my secret, it's because I'm a flirt. Now, uh. people think that, oh, he's sexist, he flirts with everyone. No, 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 there's a method to my madness. I'm an investigative reporter. And if I can flirt with every secretary in every school I walk into, every, every nurse, every secretary in every, in every hospital, I go into 
one of those girls is going to remember me the next time I call and say, hey, do you know anything about this? They're going to remember me because I'm the guy that was flirting with them, right? right? And they either liked it or they didn't like it, but they're going to remember it. (laughs) That's right. And so it's one of the reasons why I do what I do. I've just kind of worked it into my personality now because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, But it's less about me trying to pick anybody up and more about me just trying to make that connection so they'll remember me when I call and go, hey, you've been working at that hospital or that school for a long time. I just got a tip on something. I won't use your name. Can you just confirm it for me? Just tell me if it's real or it's not real. And that helps me do my job because it's 10 fewer phone calls I have to make. Yeah, right. Right. All right. So... Well, Tom, uh, we're almost out of time. We just want to mention uh, quickly before we go uh, that there was a story this week about Wilmington State Representative James Maselli. I saw um, that this morning. Collapsed uh, and was transported by ambulance to a hospital from the Omni Parker House on Wednesday uh, during a meeting of House Democrats that were there for a caucus. And uh, he's 82 years old. He's represented Wilmington and Tewksbury since 1977. And uh, it was reported subsequently, uh, someone was saying that he was conscious and talking to his family at the hospital. So hopefully everything is okay there. We pass along our best yeah. wishes to him. Hopefully yeah. speedy recovery, but scary yeah. stuff. I think the best thing for Jim, I've known Jim for a long time. I don't know him well, right? Mm-hmm. But, but when I bump into him, you know, we know each other and we chat about stuff. He ran for Congress at one point. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was like really the only one that made any sense out of anybody that was running. There was 19 people in that race, including Jamie Eldridge. It was mm-hmm. crazy debates that we did. Um, um, Jim's a really good guy, and he doesn't check all the boxes for the Democrat Party. Right. But he's got very tough challenger this year in Pina Prinzavalli. Yep. She's a Republican who's doing a Diana DiZoglio-style campaign. Yep. She's knocking on every single door. Now, he's an 80-something-year-old guy. He right. can't knock every door. Right, right. And I still didn't think she really had much of a chance. But now that I'm hearing the story, and I hope he's okay. Right. Um, but but I think now hearing the story, maybe the best thing for him is to kind of go out on a high note, yeah. take care of his health. Yeah, yeah. Because I would hate to have him run for re-election, win, and then because of the stress, you know, die on us. Right, and he's, he's right. a good guy. Yeah. And um and and we wish the best for him. And maybe maybe this is time. There's somebody who's really competent who right. can step into the job now. Yeah. Yep. And and that's Pina. And and hopefully it will just works out for everybody. Yeah. Well, we do wish him the best. Yeah. No I'm trying hard not to make it sound like I'm trying to politically capitalize <laughs> on his health issue, even though I really kind of am. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it not look that you way. We'll, like we'll give it an A for effort. I, don't know. I do yeah, like Pina. I do like Pina. She's so adorable. She is so adorable. Every time I see her, I say, I look at her and I go, you know what? Now I just want to go home and bake a pie. Like, she looks so wholesome. She's like this wholesome little Italian girl. So for fun, and she's coming to the bash. Oh, nice. She already said she was coming. So uh, I've tasked somebody on the, on the bash committee. Hopefully she's not watching. Um, I tasked somebody in the bash committee to go to Man Orchards and get an apple crisp. And we're going to bring her out a pie during the, oh, during nice. the bash. She's nice. She's nice. I like her a lot. She's awesome. Bash coming up on March 23rd, right? Yes. And you actually just recently announced nominees for the First Amendment Award for this year. I did. So we'll just uh, briefly say that those nominees are Methuen Representative Linda Campbell, uh, Turtle Boy, <laughs> Mark Demers, uh, Jana DiNatale, and Jessica, Jessica, help me with this. Finicaro. Finicaro. Yeah. Finicaro. Yeah. Sorry about that. So, so every so. year every year at our annual bash, we give out a bunch of awards. We right. do police awards, the Office yep. of Tom Duggan Hero Award. great cause. It's a good cause. All the great money cause. goes to charity. Yep. Well, not all the money, but most of it goes to charity. Um, some of it goes to help the Valley Patriot with expenses because we run the event. Um, uh, we do all kinds of awards. So we do a police award. We do veteran award. Um, we give an award for writers and editors' choice award for people who write for us that, that write outstanding stuff. Right. And we do a First Amendment award. And uh, the First Amendment award is it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the night because there are people out there, just as we talked about with the Facebook thing, um, there's people out there that are fighting for the First Amendment and, and pu- getting punished for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And whether they're an elected official or they're just uh, a person in the community who's having their First Amendment rights, 
it's taken away from them and they're fighting it, um, we look for those kind of people and honor them at the event because without the First Amendment, we have no free press. Mm -hmm. No free press means no Valley Patriot. No Valley Patriot means no charity bash. It means no show here. It means no book. Right. It means no heroes in our midst. So uh, First Amendment is pretty important to us at the Valley Patriot. And um, I just, can we just take one second to... to say why each person was nominated. Who's the first person? Linda Campbell? Yeah, uh, yes. Yep. So Linda Campbell got nominated. She was one of the co-sponsors of my uh, public records bill that I wrote uh, four years ago. Right. That finally got passed last year. Got four a lot year, of four years after fighting that. it. Yep. Um, so she, she co-sponsored it. We wanted to make sure she at least got a nomination. Who's the right. next name on the list? Turtle Boy. Turtle Boy's presenting a problem because they uh, got nominated and they got more votes than anybody else. Uh-oh. And we kind of have to give them the award. Um, but we are honoring a state, tr- state trooper that night. Right. And they're going after the state police. Mm. And so we're trying to figure a way to get both done without both sides being mad at us. Right, and right. it's not working out very well. Yeah. So what we may do is hold Turtle Boys Award till next year. That'll be the big 15th anniversary bash. Right. There you go. And, uh, and honor the state police. And then we got word from the state police that they may just, may just not be coming now. Mm. And if that's the case, then we have to go back and tell people to at the award company to make up the make up the Turtle Boy Award again. So we don't know what we're going to do with that. Uh, um, and who's the next one? Uh, Mike Demers. Mike Demers is the guy that was on this show. He's the guy that's getting sued by Half News and Acadia Insurance. Uh-huh. They're trying to make him take down his Facebook posts and his Twitter posts. Half um, News? Yeah, Half News Oil and Acadia what Insurance. Did he post? Uh, well, Half News overflowed his mom's gas tank with 250 gallons of oil that went down into the ground that's and then problem. and then refused to clean it up to Mr. Demers' satisfaction. Mm. So he's got a boycott campaign online and they're suing him not for money but they're suing him to silence him online to make they want the judge to order him to take down his boycott twitter accounts and facebook accounts did they deny that they did it no 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 um they they went out to the site they cleaned some of it up but not to the family satisfaction and um Mr. Demers sued them, but he represented himself, so he lost. And so now his argument is, okay, well, legally, they don't have to fix my mom's place up the way they promised they would, but they looked my mom in the eye, and they promised they were going to, and I think they should keep their word whether the Mm -hmm. judge says they have to or not, so I'm going to keep my boycott campaign going until they do, and they're trying to silence him. So Mm -hmm. that's why he got his nomination. Right, right. And then who's next? Uh, Jana DiNatale. Jana DiNatale got nominated from the floor last year at the bash because the week earlier, the Methuen School Committee had an illegal secret meeting, Mm. and not only did they hold an illegal secret meeting that they said was for the purpose of litigation, meaning lawsuits for the school department, Mm -hmm. but the following meeting they came out and put in their minutes that that's what they actually discussed when they didn't. And Jaina called them on it publicly. Yeah. And um, I think that I think that deserved the nomination. I actually think that deserves the actual award. Right. Because ever since then they've pickpiled on Jaina Di Natale, and she's kind of like the uh, she's the odd person out now on the school committee. No one will talk to her. They beat her up every time she comes up with an idea. Um, Methuen Mayor Jim Jajuga dressed her down the other night. We're going to talk a lot about that later on, and it will be in the next edition of the Valley Patriot. Okay. And last but not least, Jessica Finacaro. Jessica's going through the same thing. She's a Methuen City counselor. She brings up an idea, and she gets the crap beat out of her by people who should know better. And it's not just that they're poo-pooing her idea. They're poo-pooing her. Right. And they're speaking to her very disrespectfully, and they're attacking her personally, and they've kind of edged her out too. And she exposed it publicly because they had a meeting that wasn't televised. Mm-hmm. And they pretended that it was a workshop-type meeting among the city councilors where no decisions were being made, 
but decisions on the budget were being made because right. she was sitting right there. Right. right. So she blew the lid on it, and the loop attacked her, the Tribune attacked her, the mayor attacked her, her city fellow city councilors attacked her, and I said, you know what? She stood up for the free press. She stood up for free speech. I'm the one who actually nominated her for that, right. actually. Yeah. Very yeah. good. All good nominations. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see who gets the actual award. Yep. And that's coming up at the bash, which is March 23rd at Fireman's Relief Inn, um, which is at 1 Market Street in Lawrence. That's from 5 p.m. till, well, 11 p.m. or whenever it's over. Which, yeah, the uh, after, you know, the af- they throw us know. out of the after party <laughs> at 2.30. So you got March 24th, March 25th, you know, right. just when it's and over. And then we have a hotel room for the after after you party. Go. Now, the only way to right. get to the after after party, and Meredith, you have to come. I mean, Fred, <laughs> you can come with her if you want, but Meredith has to be there. Okay. So well, if you're there, right. if yeah, you're right. there at the after party when they throw us out, that's the only way you can get to the after after party. If you leave to go somewhere else, I'm not telling that's you where it. we're going to be. No, that's past my bedtime. But if you're with us at 2.30, we go to the Holiday Inn behind Friendly's on 114 in Lawrence. We get the whole floor. I, I pay off the night manager not to book anybody on that floor. Oh, I give him a $100 bill the night before. We've been doing this for five years now. It's worked out very well. No complaints. Okay. And we have a bunch of rooms upstairs, and people can do whatever they want, and you don't have to worry about people complaining about loud music or smoking Sounds cigarettes or anything else. Okay. And we do have one rule for the after after party, though, and I know uh, Mark Roberts knows because I think he was at the, la- at the one two years ago when Prospect Hill was at the, was at the bash. No cell phones. You turn your cell phone in at the door. No cameras. Because if people are drinking and they're saying things while they're intoxicated, we don't want that to come back and hurt them with their job later. We don't want it to hurt them with their relationship with their wife or their girlfriend later. So you turn your, you turn your cell phone in. You can do whatever you want after what that. Everybody at the after-after party. Stays <laughs> at the after-after after party. That literally means, means, yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Very good. You got it. Well, listen, we'll just mention. So uh, the Bash and the Valley Patriot always accepting sponsorships. And this is a yes. great cause. And I got to tell you, I mean, you can, this is, aside from the fact that it's a great cause and supporting some very worthy people, this is a great deal. I mean, you have sponsorships here for as little as $250. You can get some fantastic advertising in the Valley Patriot and some visibility at the bash. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the sponsorships go up from there and, and you know, accepting any amounts really, right. uh, but $1,000, $2,000, anything would be greatly appreciated. And anybody, anyone that donates $1,000 or $2,000, that money will go directly to a scholarship. Right. And we will allow you to come up at the bash and present that scholarship to the actual kid who's getting it. Which, nice. What better cause is that? Right. I mean, you know, Right. And yeah. as a sponsor, we'll, we're giving each sponsorship level. Yep. We'll give you free print ads in the Valley Patriot in the program. We'll mention you. We go live Facebook. We'll mention you on this program. I mean, that's big. So it, it's, really it's a big. full publicity package, right. and none of the money goes in our pocket. So That's right. Um, you know, we're trying to help homeless uh, veterans. We're trying to help uh, kids get to college. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, nonprofits that we're help, trying to help out. And Excellent. Uh, Always a good time and a good yep. cause. So. And you guys are going to be live from the event. Yes, we will we be are. there. That's going to be, be there. great. How, uh, every five minutes during in the event, I'm going to be like stopping the award program. Hey, what, what's Meredith doing over there? Meredith, are you live yet? You got to wear a red. Looking forward to you it. You got to wear a red. Okay. That's a, that's a rule. Should be interesting. <laughs> all right. All right. So. That's your news. That's today. it. That's, that's all it. there is. Well, okay. that was a lot. Oh, that was it a was lot. a lot. A lot going on. You know, and I got I got guests here waiting. It's 2:42. We are so yeah. over program. That's all right. Fact. So we're gonna we're gonna try and squeeze everything in now. Uh, let's take a quick break, Stu. I thank you for uh, being my fine fine producer today. He always does a great job. I'm still trying to get used to this whole podcast thing. So as we as we move forward, we'll be changing format stuff. Okay. So thank you for wearing red today. <laughs> and thanks for sitting next to me instead of putting Fred there. No offense taken. No. He gets it. He gets it. Right? Back after this. Oh, we're already in...
This is Speaker Newt Gingrich, and I'm listening to Paying Attention with Tom Duggan. Yeah, oh, this is Robert Clary. I'm the author of From the Holocaust to Hogan's Heroes on Madison Book. And uh, you're listening to Paying Attention. Jill Stein, and you're listening to Paying Attention. Hi, I'm Joe Zingales. And I'm Rosanna Zingales-Lopez. We advertise in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. Hi, I'm Allie from EISA. We provide security, investigations, and training. We advertise in the Valley Patriot. Why? Because it really works. Twin Lights Security and Investigations advertises in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. But don't take our word for it. Just ask our advertisers. They'll tell you advertising in the Valley Patriot newspaper really works. Once again, on the United Podcast Network, you are paying attention. And here's your host, also once again, Tom Duggan. By the way, if you ever come up to Studio Podcast Cafe, Studio 21, you got to see Sean the Barista. This is literally the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And if you know me, you know I don't just say those kinds of things. Like, if I thought it really sucked, I would tell you. Um, but it's excellent coffee. Um, I actually think about, Sean the Barista, I actually think about your coffee all flipping week. Every time I go through Dunkin' Donuts and I take a sip, I go, yeah, it's not Sean the Barista's coffee. That's for sure. That's for the sure. We wrote a segment for Sean the Barista. We're going to give him a permanent segment on the show because he's absolutely rip-roaring hysterical. Um, Sitting with me now, here on the Paying Attention program, thank you to Twin Light Security, uh, Century 21 Teams in Gallus, A&M Auto Body. I don't know why I keep saying A&B, but A&M Auto Body. And who did we leave out? There's somebody else. We'll figure it out in a second. Um, Sitting with me today is somebody that um, I always try to go out of my way to support because she's doing the work of the angels. Karina Papalato is sitting to to the far left here, is um, the head of the Great Alliance Psychological Center. And they also, the Psychological Center has a number of programs, one of which, one of the most important of which, is the Daybreak Homeless Shelter in Lawrence. And rather than me tell you what they do, I think maybe it'd probably be better if she tells you what they do. Um, because what I thought we could do today is kind of educate people about what you guys do, what Daybreak does, but also talk about some solutions as to how we can motivate our politicians to fund what you guys do and to support what you guys do, because it doesn't seem like you're getting a lot of support. 
Well, you know it's a big task. Thanks for having us, Tom. Um, always appreciate the support that you give us. Daybreak Shelter, you know, is located in Lawrence, 19 Winter Street. We're an emergency homeless shelter, and it's a wet shelter. So what makes us different from others? We allow people to come in under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and we won't turn them away. We want to just make sure that they're safe and that we can give them the environment that they should be in and with mo a most, lot of most won't do that, right? No, that's mm -hmm. correct. Again, one of two in Massachusetts really unique, so the only yeah. one in Essex County. Um, Daybreak Shelter has been around for a long time. We have 50 beds, 35 male beds, 15 female beds. That's 50 beds, but at the time, at this current time, the state's only funding us for 38. However, we know that there's a lot of people out there in a very big need. We want to make sure that all of our beds are full. So we will always be at capacity, and you know, and some nights over the capacity. Mm -hmm. You, um, can you explain to people why it's important that you guys be a wet shelter? There's only two in the state, which is kind of staggering to me, because as somebody who drives around Lawrence and chases police calls and spends a lot of time in Lawrence, um, I can't imagine it's three degrees below zero, and a guy who maybe is addicted to heroin or maybe he's had a couple of drinks shows up at a homeless shelter because he's cold and he has nowhere to go, and that they would turn him away because of his state of, of uh, sobriety. So why is it important that these homeless shelters, especially your homeless shelter, be a wet shelter? I mean, as you could imagine, the um, them dying on the streets, freezing out there, just because they couldn't get in just to find that warmth is what is the most important. Mm -hmm. This, you know, safety is really important. And here I have today with me Brooke Armstrong. She actually is at the shelter. That's where she works full time. She's one of our best case managers. And she's going to tell you what it's like as an individual, one of our welcome guests that comes in and what the process is like for them and how many people we're helping. Mm -hmm. Okay, hi. Hi. Thank you for having me here. I'm very nervous. That's okay. Give me your name again. Brooke. I, Brooke, Brooke, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll remember that. So if I could briefly just um, say something on my opinion as far as sure. why it's important to have a wet shelter, it's because, um, you know, as, as one might be able to imagine, it, it can't be easy to go on from living on the streets to just waking up one day, you know, with nothing and thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get my life together. You know, you need, a, you need a little support, a little foundation to start from, and that's what our program provides. Um, so what it looks like in the beginning is someone will come in and um, we'll get an initial intake done on them. And that will just be like a kind of, you know, um, brief summary of what's going on with them, where they're at, kind of the services they're looking for. Um, again, regardless of the situation, clean, sober or not, what they want to do, we get them in, we secure them a bed, they come in, they get to take a warm shower, get a hot meal. Um, we serve dinner and snack as well. Um, we provide them with things that they may not have, um, clothing. You know, they don't have to have their own toiletries. We help them with that. Um, and then they just kind of free to, you know, to go out, smoke, whatever the case may be, watch TV. A lot of them like to, you know, play cards, interact with each other in the dining room. And then um, depending on what they want to do, what happens next, we usually give them a few days to see what's going on. Um, if they come in active, for example, and they don't want help. When um, you say active, what do you mean? You mean like using okay. um, drugs or alcohol. Some of them don't want help right away or, um, you know, there's a lack of security that they feel. They don't realize that, that we really want to help them because their trust issues are down and so that's what we work on at first. Kind of engaging with them, making them feel safe and, and letting them know that, like, they have support and then some people, you know, they they would like to continue and start to better their lives, and that's what we really try to um, 
take it take it from there, whether it's detox or um, our sister program, we try to get them into, um, we help with housing, get them into IOPs, therapy. Um, we get them set up with like clothing vouchers and refer them out to other programs to help build resumes, like all things that, a foundation that you need in order to create a life, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, you guys, um, I did a story, I, it seems like it was yesterday, but I guess maybe it was like two years ago or so, where you had an individual that came through and went through all of your programs, and you ended up finding him placement, I think, in Haverhill, and then he decided to come back and help. And I'm trying to remember his name, um, but remember I came and I interviewed him, and he's now kind of making it his goal now that he's he's put himself back on track. You guys helped him get back on track, and he's coming back to Daybreak and, and helping you guys out. Um, do you get a lot of success stories like that, or... Or is that like the aberration? Is it mostly people that come and they stay temporarily and then they kind of disappear? Many more and more success stories, especially with this new program that the state has and that the model that we're following. It's T, T-E-A, so it's triage, engage, and assess. And everyone comes in, has that case manager. So they're working with someone individually to support them along the way. And the success rate has really skyrocketed. It's taken off. There, We have a lot of people, and Brooke can um, address this a little bit more too, but a lot of people who are getting employed, getting housed, they're moving on afterwards. And then they'll stay in contact with us. They always know that they have us for support in case they need that. Mm -hmm. But what do you want to share a couple of success stories that we've recently had? Yeah, we've had actually multiple um, depending on their needs. Like we've sent a young lady um, out into Salem to get reunited with her with her children. Another woman just recently went into a halfway house and is being reunited with her children within the next week. Um, we've had multiple people, vets um, that got set up with their housing in their own places. Um, in the past two weeks, we've had four people move on um, to either further treatment or their own individual places and they usually come back and you know thank us for for being there and let us know that you know it, it was a difference that they needed you know because they have a longer stay now there isn't a timeout period there um they're just able to get it you know a foundation have you found that people because i'm kind of new to this whole homeless thing right so like a couple of years ago i started helping a homeless veteran and the next thing i know i'm like mr the mayor mcvalley's like homeless guy i don't, I don't know i don't know how that happened so i've been i've been trying to you know help you guys out and i'm just trying to when i have time to try and do it and at least what it, and tell me if i'm wrong at least what i've seen and assessed is that there's a lot of these homeless people they're almost all addicted, but they don't, a lot of them don't want help or they're not ready for help. When you, get the, when you get those kinds of people and they come in and they're not ready for help or they don't, they don't really want the help, they don't seem that they want the help, is there a strategy you guys can use to try and give them that confidence that they can think, okay, maybe, maybe if I try it this time, it'll work? Um, I believe so, yes. Um, I know personally what I try to do, like I, like I briefly mentioned earlier, is, is be there because sometimes, you know, that feeling of being alone, not having anything, it's kind of hard to like, oh, well, let me better myself because you have nothing to look forward right. to. So um, I think, you know, because we engage with them on a daily basis um, and let them know that we're there for them. Is there anything we could do? And if they do fall, we don't, all right, you're going to go. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing because they're able to see, okay, um, they really do care. You know, we we engage with them one-on-one -on -one and like they're able to tell us stuff and we start building that trust barrier and then most of them um want to do better you know because a lot of people um 
it's a disease and so it's not like they 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 are enjoying their you know life and what's going on but sometimes they don't realize there's a way out or necessarily have the support to get out of it that engagement piece is huge tom think about it you know they have been harmed and taken advantage of for a very long time this this hasn't happened overnight mm -hmm. so to walk into a place and to actually trust someone who is providing the safety net for you isn't easy so it's being available to them and just when they're ready we are here for the ones who are still you know tinkering with the idea should we mm -hmm. and one of the things too that Brooke mentioned in the past you know and this has come up and I, I still hear this every so often oh we're a 30-day shelter and we have this big ban you know and some people can't come in which is not the case so there's no 30-day limit you're not kicked out for 90 days before you come back right now it's unlimited you come in if you're working on something with our support then you can stay as long as you want and as a matter of fact most people we're saving those beds for them because mm -hmm. we know that once they feel secure with us and that they feel secure knowing that they have a place to be at night it takes a lot off their mind they can go to work and come back and have that bed they can be out having treatment coming back to have that bed so right. that's important mm -hmm. um, we have people that might call out because they're going to spend the night with uh, a family right the, with a child i'm not going to be home tonight mm -hmm. that's to calling daybreak shelter home unbelievable i mean i've always been proud of this agency and of that program but that just brings such joy mm -hmm. to my heart incredible we have a wait list for people mm -hmm. to get in there mm -hmm. um you know but it's great because we've been having so many people transition out that we have those open beds for them i think one of the problems that you guys probably face the most and I've seen it because I talk to a lot of the homeless people in Long Island. By the way, they're all, all, they're all great news sources, too, by the way, because they know everything that's going on in the city. Um, but, you know, I, it seems as though that w one of the problems is that what you would outlining, and you kind of glossed over it, I want to make sure we highlight it more, is that there are these rumors that go out on the street. And I remember when I, when I came across one of the guys that I brought to you guys, he said, uh, I, said I said, we found him sleeping on the street, right? It was like 11, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I said, well, there's a homeless shelter literally a block from here. Get in my car, I'll drive you. He goes, no, 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 I'll walk, but they won't take me. I said, what do you mean they won't take you? I don't have an ID. And I said, well, I, geez, I'd never heard that. Mm. And so I called Karina, and Karina goes, no, that's not true. So eventually we ended up getting him in. But there's a lot of people on the street who say, you know, I've been banned from there, or I was told that I was banned from there, or um, I don't have an ID, so I can't get in. And, but they've never actually physically tried to do that. They're going by what someone told them. So all of those rumors hinder your ability to do your job and get right. people in, because once they're in, it's not just a homeless shelter. Nope. You guys have like a next step type program for people that um, want to go and get a job, uh, job training, resume training. You even have people like barbers donate their time to give people haircuts if they're going mm -hmm. for a job interview. Can you talk about like that next step once someone comes through daybreak and they're not a problem, they're not causing fights or problems and they say they want help. Can you talk about that next step that what you guys do for them? So within the shelter with, um, from Daybreak, for females at least, we have two female residential recovery programs. Pegasus House, which is for women between the age of 18 and 25, and Women's View is for women over the age of 25. So if we have a female that wants to get into that long-term residential recovery treatment, we can help place her in that bed which is amazing. We can use those two programs that we have. Um, and then Brooke can tell you a little bit more about some other opportunities that we have in that next step for that transitional living and you know how to keep people successful 
on their own because they have to be able to do it on their yeah, own. You don't want them backsliding. They make some Correct. kind of gains, and you don't want them exactly. backsliding. Yeah. Right. So um, as I kind of mentioned, and Karina touched upon too, um, the biggest thing is is the bed that they have. You know, they don't have to worry about coming back and lining up. So they have the ability to leave their stuff there, which makes them feel comfortable and even want to go get a mm-hmm. job. So um, they come in with no ID. We help them get an ID. Um, we send them over to the registry. We help them get their birth certificates. We have outside sources that come in and will actually give them, um, help them to pay for it. Um, and then we'll send them over to places like um, the Career Center. And they will sit there with them and build their resume with them. Also at the Career Center, they have multiple things like jobs that are hiring. We also have um, things that we post all over the place for places that are hiring and, and let them know things that we're doing. Um, and then moving a little bit further, you know, when when I sit down with, like, my clients and I'll talk to them about, like, you know, maybe some resources. Some of them think that they can't even get a bank account or that they're not. But there's other ways around that. There's other things you can do. And that's what we try to show them because um, not only is you do you have to have a job, but you have to start working on savings and, um, and living within your means and your needs and your wants because it's and that's, easy. And that's got to be impossible or it must seem impossible for someone who's homeless because they may owe $1,000 on their last electric bill from the last place they got evicted. They might owe money to the electric company, the phone company. They may not be able to open up a bank account for mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And you guys kind of help them walk through that process so it's less intimidating and it doesn't seem like it's insurmountable for right. them. I mean, look how difficult it is to have a phone call, you know, have a phone conversation sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about Facebook earlier, four hours. Or, you know, it's, so it's hard for us sometimes to fill out paperwork. It can mm-hmm. be daunting. So for someone who has no experience with doing that, you know, we're there for them and we provide a lot of resources for them. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on, especially this week, is, um, you know, we can educate people about what you guys do, but if they're not actively pressuring their elected officials to fund the Daybreak Homeless Shelter, to fund the Pegasus House and all the programs that you do at the Great Alliance Psychological Center, if the funding's not there, all these good things go away. You certainly can't expand on them. They're going to be reduced. And you guys... Every single flipping year, have to deal with cuts in your budget. You have to deal with politicians that don't want to help you. I don't want to. I don't want to mention which Dan Rivera I'm referring to because that would be wrong. But you have politicians who have just come right out and said, "No, I'm not ever doing anything for them." And so, the, I think as a person who's been an active activist my whole life, the only way to counter that is to rally the troops, to get the public to understand why this is so important, and then give them instructions on what they can do to pressure their elected officials. So. Do you have any ideas on how we can educate and pressure our elected officials to understand how critically important this is, especially given a lot of the people who are at Daybreak aren't even from Lawrence. Some of them are from Methuen. I talked to a guy one day who said he was from Swampscott. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in Lawrence? You're from Swampscott? What are you doing up here? Well, this is, this is a wet shelter, and this is the closest one I could find, and that's just the answer, right? Yeah, you know, but a, a lot of times... Um it doesn't matter where you're from, first of all. You know, we're not going to ban you if you're not from Lawrence. But we have a great amount of people who do, who are from Lawrence. Um, you know, most nights, over 50% of our population yeah. are individuals who are, grew up and are from Lawrence. Um, and, uh, you know, we met a few years ago, and you've been an awesome advocate for us, and we've been working really hard. And I have to say, you know, let's give some credit. We've been seeing more, more and more people are starting to help. But there are still individuals who think that we're importing the homeless and we're importing the addicts because Daybreak Shelter is there. Right. It 
Completely not true. You know, um, people that come to us for help are coming to us because they don't want to be dead on the street. So let's help everyone that we can. Um, It's important. So homeless individuals, there's there's always funding for homeless, but it's the families who are homeless first Mm -hmm. and the veterans who are homeless first. And I get it. They all deserve it. They're, they're, you know, I'm not trying to take away from them. But when it comes to homeless individuals, they are the last on the totem pole. And right now, part of the coalition that we belong to, the Coalition for Homeless Individuals, we continue to fight, and we just went into Boston yesterday morning to fight for additional funding. Um, you know, that, that line is less than 50 million. I think it's a little bit over 44 million. Don't quote me on that. But we're trying to get that up to 50 million, which is still a drop in the bucket, right. you know, that, for that, so many individuals. And that, and that just gets you guys by. That's not to expand. That's not to right. help more people. That's just to continue Correct. doing what you're doing. And I have an answer when, when people say, and when Dan Rivera says, uh, and, and I don't think he's completely wrong that we're, that we're importing homeless into, into Lawrence. Um, the, Lawrence is importing homeless into Lawrence, but it's not Daybreak that's luring them in. It's no. heroin and fentanyl. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Nobody's yeah, coming yeah. to Lawrence because they've got a, because they've got a, they've got a homeless shelter. That's they're correct. coming to Lawrence for their drugs. Thank and you. then once they're there, they become homeless, and then they end up in... It, it's not you guys causing it, that's honestly. Right. I mean, Absolutely. I drive the, I drive the city every day. That. It's fentanyl and heroin. Let's, yeah. let's call it what it is, yeah. right? Absolutely. So Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's continuing to reach out with the, and work with the local delegation, the delegates, the um, legislators, the the state senators, the state representatives, you know, uh, Diana DeZoglio is always a huge supporter She's of so us. She's so amazing. We are really lucky. She um, got through with some help for, with some other um, candidates to get some, some earmarks. So as far as we know, they haven't been vetoed. We're waiting for those to come in. And we do appreciate those coming from Governor Baker. Now, I'm going to throw a curve at you, but I, will, I want a real answer if you could, please. Yes. Who's, who's not very helpful? Who is it that the public could send an email to uh, and express their support for getting more funding for, for wet shelters and for specifically Daybreak and Pegasus? Who is it, is it? Is it Frank Moran? Is it Marcos Devers? Is it Juana Matias? Is it Barbara Italian? Who is it that people can nicely, we don't want them to be mean because we want them on our side, right? But who is it that the public can nicely send an email to or make a phone call to and say, please make this a priority? Who is it that we need to target? I'm going to say all of them. The only one that you really don't need to target is um, State Representative Diana DeSaglio, but the mayor. You know, we need to have the mayor on our side. He is running the city. That's what he's responsible for. And we need his support in addition to everybody else. I think if a million people called him on the phone in one day, he still wouldn't change his mind. I don't think he's going to change his mind. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Mm -hmm. So if you live in Lawrence and you care about the homeless situation, and I'm sure if you live in Lawrence, you care about the homeless situation because they're either breaking into your cars or they're in your neighborhoods asking to bump cigarettes off of you. And sometimes it's a public safety issue. You ought to care. You ought to be calling the mayor, send an email to the mayor, and let him know that you think it's a priority that Lawrence at least does something. I was shocked to learn that you guys don't get a penny of city money. Nothing. No. So think about this, folks. You have all of these puking liberals in Lawrence that run as Democrats who claim to be progressive and care about the homeless and the downtrodden and the illegal aliens and the immigrants and everybody that they think that that they want to help that's on the lower end of the scale. And yet the poorest of the poor, the people who need it the most, the homeless, people who have nothing, screw them. They don't pay not one penny. Wait a minute. You guys run for office every year as progressives who care about poor people. And not one penny. Kendra's Vasquez in the city council hasn't allocated one penny for the homeless issue. 
Like, how shocking is that? Like, maybe, maybe in the world of Trump and shock, nothing shocks anybody anymore, but I was very shocked to learn that. You know, unless they do in some other avenue, but none of it comes to Daybreak Shelter. Yeah. And I can tell you none of it comes to the psychological That's got to change. And uh, the good thing is that the Lawrence City Council gets elected every two years. We've got a new council now, and I've been talking to a lot of them about this very issue. And those who don't respond favorably, I'm going to be campaigning for someone to defeat them on this issue. Because really... Can you clean up Lawrence? Can you clean up the drugs? Can you clean up the violence? Can you clean up the garbage on the streets if you're not even taking care of your homeless mm -hmm. people? If you don't even have a... Just get them off the streets so we can do something? It seems like common sense. Right. I mean, it... it Anyways, I'll get into a political rant, and I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> um, Thank you. So we, we, we do have to take a break. We have to get Mark up here. Can you give people a phone number that they can call or an email or a website that they can call or, or to contact you? If they want to help, maybe they might want to make a donation. Maybe they might want to drop off some clothing items or some toiletry items for the homeless. Uh, I know i got a whole cough full of socks that you can take. Everybody thinks, seems to think the Valley Patriot office is the sock drop-off place now. <laughs> i got a whole living room full of socks. I don't even know what to do with them anymore. Um, I think every homeless person in Lawrence has 20 pairs of socks. Mm -hmm. They all came from my office. Um, but where, where can people donate? Where can they drop off items? Where, how, how can they help? How can they volunteer if they want to volunteer? Absolutely. You know, donations are always welcome, whether it's monetary or items. We're going through a lot of socks, shoes, laundry detergent, paper plates, um, hygiene products. They can bring that all right to Daybreak Shelter, which is located at 19 Winter Street in Lawrence. We call it our hidden gem. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's a little hard to find, but mm -hmm. if you're familiar with Lawrence, you'll know exactly where it is. So bring all of those donations there. You can also find us on the website, psychologicalcenter.com. And if you ever have any questions and want to connect with me, I can be reached at 978-291-2262. All right. Thanks, Excellent. Tom. Thank, thank you, you so much for, thank thank you so much you. for coming. Very nice to meet you. Uh, will you come back? Absolutely. I'd like to actually Anytime. do a whole show. I know if you saw our first show, we had all the police chiefs yes. up here. Yes. We talked about the opioid crisis. I'd like to do another summit, but I want it to be some police and some people on the service end mm -hmm. see if we can't come up with some solutions. Yeah, let's do it. it. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm Tom Duggan. This is the Paying Attention Podcast. Coming up next, my pal, Mark Roberge, the mastermind of Prospect Hill, and he's going to talk about his new company, red13creative.com. And I think he might even have like a, an announcement of some kind to make. I don't know what that was all about, but... If you stick around, I promise we won't disappoint on paying attention. Sal Apoli from Sal's Pizza, Salvatore's Restaurant, Riverwalk Properties, and you're listening to Paying Attention. Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. Hi, I'm Allie.
Valley from EISA. We provide security, investigations, and training. We advertise in the Valley Patriot. Why? Because it really works. Twin Lights Security and Investigations advertises in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. But don't take our word for it. Just ask our advertisers. They'll tell you advertising in the Valley Patriot newspaper really works. This is Mitt Romney. Uh, this is Robert Reich. This is State Auditor Joe Danucci. This is Warren Tolman. This is Steve Grossman. And you're listening. You're listening. You're listening to the Paying Attention radio program. Paying Attention. Hey, Joe Zingales. We love Joe Zingales. All right, so we're back. I thought that was a fascinating discussion with uh, Karina and Brooke. Um, I'm actually even more shocked that I remember Brooke's name because um, I can't remember names for crap anymore. I'm just getting way too old. Um, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a fascinating discussion, and we want to definitely have her back on. Um, Karina is doing amazing work, and I get to see it firsthand. I feel very lucky. I've been in Daybreak a number of times. We actually found a guy sleeping on the street one day, and it was like a, literally a block from the Daybreak homeless shelter. And we're like, why, why, why are you sleeping here? There's a homeless shelter a block away. And he's like, yeah, they won't let me in. I don't have an ID. It was just not true. So we got him over there, and uh, he's actually his name is uh, Louis Rosalie. He's actually still there. That was about three and a half months ago, and he's still there. He's actually getting ready to transition into a different program. Sitting to my left, however, um, is a guy who, you know, it's funny when you meet your heroes. Um, when oh stop it! When, no 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 seriously. <laughs> so like everybody knows that like I, I'm not a sports guy at all. I don't know I don't know a touchback from a from a hat trick, but I'm really into music and I listen to music in my car all the time. I listen to it at the office all the time. Um, I, I stumbled about maybe five or six years ago onto this local band called Prospect Hill. So I found it online and I started listening. The first song that I heard was a roller coaster. And I was like, how are these guys not multi-billionaires? This is better than Van Halen, right? So I, I'm listening to it constantly. And, you know, I've, I'm, I'm someone who I never get sick of anything once I like it. Yeah. Like, I can, still, I, can still re, I can still recite every single line from Steve Martin's Let's Get Small album. I used to listen to it when I was a kid. Because I, I don't have a shut-off button. Once I find something funny, it's always funny to me. Once I like a song, it's, I'm always going to like it. So I'm listening over and over and over and over again. And then I found out they were playing local. I didn't even know you guys were a local band, right? First I found the music. Oh, then I really? found out you See, were a local. I didn't know that. I thought then you I just... found out you were a local band. Then your dad called me. Yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, I don't know if you know me. Uh, we bumped into each other a couple of times. He started telling me, my, my kid has this band, and you're always talking about it on Facebook. That's my kid's band. 
He's like, they're going to be playing locally. Why don't you come see them? So we did. We went out and we watched you guys one night. And you had no idea who I was. I had no idea who you were. And I was so friggin' blown away by what you guys do in concert. Most concerts you go to today, if it's a band, they sound horrible in concert because what they do in the studio is they use all these electronics to make their voices sound good. You guys apparently don't do that because I'm sitting there at the cloud and I'm listening to you guys and it's almost better than the studio version of what you did. And I'm just completely blown away. And now I'm like, okay, now I got to meet these guys. Like I have to, I have to somehow use my, you know, small local celebrity ship to try and find a way in with these guys because what they're doing is amazing. And whether it's a politician or a band, I have tremendous respect for people who are really good at what they do and love what they do. And it's very obvious that you guys do. How's that for a buildup? Mark, awesome. Mark Roberts, the mastermind of Prospect. Thank, thank you so You're much, welcome, Tom. That was friend. great. I didn't realize that you didn't know who we were. Um, yeah, at first that, I didn't. That we were, that we were local. That's, yeah. that's funny. Yep. And then you guys call me and say, hey, why don't you come? We're going to practice. Come hang out with us oh, while yeah. we're practicing. Yeah, you came down to the, yeah, the, we, the we, garage. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't video any of that, though. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun night. That was one of my – I look back on that as one of my most fun nights. Yeah, it's been a while now. How many years have we known each other now? Uh, maybe six, seven. Six, yeah. Yep, seven. And then we got you into the St. Patrick's Day Parade, which is great because uh, you guys were in the city. Uh, once we became friends, just for the people at home, once we became friends, um, I'm in the St. Patrick's Day Parade every year, for, and I put my dad's banner in the parade, and I said, you know what would be great? I wonder if we could get Prospect Hill into the parade. And so I called Mark, and I said, listen, I'm going to be in the parade next week. And before I could ask the question, he goes, yeah, how do we get into that? We want to play in the parade. We want to do something good for the local people. So they were in the parade, and I said, on the one condition, we get to be the car behind you so we can hear you through the whole parade playing your yeah, yeah, music. You did say that, yeah. And you guys did. You guys played your entire repertoire through that whole parade. I got to hear it all live, and it was awesome. Well, guess what? What? You get to do it this year as Really? Well. You're going to yeah. be in again this year? I actually, I got the contract getting sent out today. Excellent. Excellent. So, if you have any problem, call John Drew. He's a friend of ours. He runs that whole thing. I, I believe that's who just reached out to us. Good. Good. Yep, Excellent. Yep. No, I'm going to make sure that we're behind you so we can hear you the whole way through. That's awesome. going to be great. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So tell us. You tell us. First, kind of explain what Prospect Hill is, how you guys started. And then we want to get into like what you've turned it into, what, what you do now. Okay. Um, yeah, Prospect Hill is basically, um, it's six friends. You know, it started off as, as, as five, and it's built on. It's become like a family situation now. So we've had members leave and members come back. But we all started out collectively right around high school. Um, some of us were playing even before that, around like eighth grade, seventh grade. Um, and... It, we were just a ragtag bunch of guys from Lawrence um, and the surrounding areas just trying to build a band to, you know, create a band and, and write songs and, and build a scene. And that's basically what we ended up doing. We just kind of went out there, started playing our own shows, m- making our, uh, um, our name um, nationally uh, and then touring nationally and then going overseas. And here we are now, you know, this, the band won't die. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, no matter what we do, we don't, we don't tour as much anymore, but the brand is still there and people are excited about the new releases that we got coming out. Um, and it, it's been a grind, just like anything else. It's just, you got to put the time in and we put about over 10 years worth of work, um, you know, going down the East Coast, going out to the Midwest, uh, going out to California and just building it up, building it up. I was I was nervous when you guys said you were going to do a second album, because as a as a music fan, right? Even growing up as a kid, you you find an album that you love it so much, and then they say, okay, we're going to come out with another album, and it's kind of a disappointment because you're expecting it to be as awesome as that first one. Yeah. And maybe it's just because they're different. Like Van Halen, all of a sudden started using like keyboards and stuff, and you're like, what the hell is this? 
But when you guys did your second album, I started listening to it, and it was almost like rediscovering the first album. It was just as good, if not better. than the, it, it was obvious that you guys had learned more about music and more about how to fine-tune your craft and, and, your, and your creativity because that second album, was, uh, it was amazing. It was so amazing. You guys put my daughter in it. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you guys put my daughter in the video, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, Rich is in your video as well. He's in the uh, Knockout Game video. Um, oh, yes, he is. Uh, yeah. Step out, step of, line. out of Line. Step Out of Line, yeah. By the way, great song. Good job. Even better video, <laughs> but great song. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we just, we we wanted to do something bigger than ourselves, and that's kind of what, what the approach we took toward it. And we worked really hard. We, we put out some, we worked with some really great people to get some really great music. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, uh, same thing with the videos and everything that we did media-wise. And that's basically what brought us to where we are now, where, you know, we're able to play these shows. And What was and, it like when you went from, like, a local band and you got that call to play at, like, the Patriots game or to play in, like, Germany? Or you guys went out to some, like, wacky island somewhere out in the Pacific? I remember you came called into the radio show one day. You were, like, out at some Pacific island somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We, we played the Marshall Islands. We haven't done Germany yet. Um, there is talks right now of a European tour over the summer, which might take us to Germany. Um, but, yeah, we got to play the Marshall Islands, which is really cool. It's basically um, a set of islands in the Pacific. Um, um, between basically Hawaii and Australia or, you know, between um, Hawaii and, and Japan, whichever way you want to look at it. We, we basically took over the islands during World War II. Um, we took them from Japan, and now we have a military base. And it's the only military base in the world that's occupied by the U.S. that actually civilians live on. So civilians can live on this on these islands, and they don't get any entertainment. You know, they're secluded out there in the middle of, of this tropical, beautiful island. Um, so we got flown out there to play for the troops and for the, the civilians out there. And it was a- Sorry, I was looking for a plug because my, my computer's ready to die. No worries. I apologize. It's all good. It's all, it's all on your production here on the Paying Attention podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. You got multitask. If I was more prepared, if I didn't have like 20,000 friggin' projects going on at once, this would be a much better show. I hear you. It's all good. It's so. great. The show's great. So, so you guys are like local guys, and you start getting the calls to go out to like, you know, the islands and play the Patriots game. What was that like to play the Patriots game? Like, you grew up, you were, see, I'm not a football fan, I'm not a sports fan, but you are. Yeah. And you love the Patriots. Yep. And you get a phone call to play at a Patriots game. You must have just been like walking on clouds for a week after that call. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Anytime we get any type of um, amazing opportunity like that, it's it's surreal. You know, it kind of it makes you realize like, wow, you know, music is uh, is bringing us to this point. Our music, stuff we created, our art as a collective is uh, is bringing us to these great opportunities, whether it's the Patriots game, whether it's you know, touring across the country or going overseas or even getting, you know, like when we got our song placed on ESPN, that was a really big deal for us. That was cool. We were watching NFL foot, you know, and then Fox NFL picked it up. So you're sitting there watching Sunday football and all of a sudden your song comes on. Isn't that like, awesome? Pretty I awesome. mean, that's yeah. got to be, that's got to, like, I get all excited when I walk into Heavenly Donuts and someone's reading my newspaper. I can't imagine if I'm like watching a Patriots game and all of a sudden, like, yeah. You know, my song came up. Like, yeah. that's got to be – you guys must have been walking on clouds when that happened. That's, that's phenomenal. It's, it's cool, you know, and, and we continue to do it. We, we, we just have slowed it down a little bit. Um, everybody's gotten their own thing. You know, everyone has their own thing that they're doing right now. And uh, so we all come together collectively. Because um, you guys kind of, like, broke up, right? You broke up a little bit, and then you guys kind of went all – kind of like Kiss, right? Kiss broke up. They all kind of went and did their own stuff. And, but they still got together as Kiss. Yeah. And you guys kind of did the same thing. You kind of went your separate ways, and you started uh, – don't tell me. Ono Octopus, is that it? Yeah, ono Octopus is um, – it's basically my producer group with Sean Lichtenstein, who's the guitar um, player and songwriter for the band Lansdowne. So him and I met while we were out touring together. Um, they're another band from the Boston area that did really well. 
and we decided we wanted to start producing bands, doing some artist development, creating a, um, a place where artists that are coming up from New England can go and get the help and get the consulting and get the quality of product that you can get out in L.A., because uh, nothing like that existed for me when I was coming up. It was like, you know, you kind of just throw things at the wall and see if it works. Right. Um, and so what happens is you spend a bunch of money um, and you make a lot of mistakes. And we wanted to kind of help the scene here in New England so that artists and bands that are coming up, they can come through us and we can do it right for them, show them where to spend the money, make sure they get the product, and then we can connect them all across the world and the country with our, with our network. Um, so that was basically what we did. And, you know, we, we've been producing artists. We've been filming music videos. We've been doing all types of marketing and branding. And we, we do it across all the artists and, and bands, and then we also do it across brands. Um, you know, recently we worked with Under Armour and, and Tom Brady and Concepts. Yeah, don't, um, don't, don't gloss over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, so I go, so we met, right? We, we had lunch at Sal's one night. We had drinks at Sal's. And you said, uh, I don't know if you looked at my website yet. It's red13creative.com. So I go home and I get to the office. And because to me, home and the office is the same thing at this point. Yeah. So I got to get back to the office and I pull it up. And there's Tom Flipping Brady on your website holding the sneaker endorsement that you, that you guys put together. How did that happen? So now you went from being awe, in awe, watching a Patriots game and your song comes on. What's it like when you get the phone call to work with Tom Brady? Well, it's, it's great how it all worked out because we, um, one of our videographers and editors that we work with on our team, um, his name's Austin. We call him Boston Austin. Um, he got the call from his friend over at Concepts and he was like, hey, put together the reel, send it over. I have a, a great opportunity for you. Um, so Austin basically, you know, put together some of the stuff he was working on, stuff that, some of the stuff we were working on and we sent over the reel. We got the job. Um, he went over with Jim Foster, our director. Jim's awesome, by the way. Jim's a man. I love him. And they went over there, and it was very tight. They, the security was crazy, obviously, like you would you would expect. And they were, you know, very hesitant about how many people can be there and how many people could be on set. And so it was like we got him down to like two people. So we just sent Jim and Austin. I didn't even get to go, um, which was unfortunate, but at least it was great for the team and for the brand. And they went out there, they captured it, came back, edited it, put it out, and then the company concepts that it was attached to with Under Armour, they released the um, the media and the shoes that they that were, you know, the Tom Brady, the ones they gifted him in the, in the video, they sold out in like 15 minutes. Wow. Not even. I wow. It might have even been, you know. Like you could sell that. a piece of cardboard if you put Tom Brady's name on it. Anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you guys end up, you know, working with his, him or his people, right? You actually you got to meet him and you got, I saw the video of you guys with the sneakers. Yeah, I didn't, but my guys did. You yeah. Know, so, which was, which was nice. So but now moving forward, you're going to be doing more with him. Is it going to be hopefully more? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think it was. Because we want to use you to somehow get to him. To get to Tom, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna if that that'll happen. Damn it! It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't really like that, but it was it was a good opportunity. It was kind of like one of those one things that boom it it, it happens and it was great. And um, you know, recently we we, we got to work with um, through IRL Events, who's a they're close friends of ours. They run uh, Comic Con out in Silicon Valley for Steve Wozniak, the founder of Apple. So we mm-hmm. did some marketing with them um, on their job, and we also did. Um, some work on their E3, which is this massive gaming convention out in L.A. It's like every single video game company is there, and then any new video game that's coming out for the year gets announced there. And wow. It's like a massive expo. So yeah. we, uh, we did some work with them as well. So we've been doing some really good stuff. So, you know, we have the team Red 13 Creative, which is basically our marketing and branding side of things. And then we have Red 13 Studios, which is our location, which is the membership program for all the artists and the bands coming up. And I don't, and I don't think people understand, like, how ingenious this is because 
because I like I used to be in a band, and we'd have to spend all kinds of money to rent space to either practice or record a commercial. I mean, re- record a, a song or record a video. And you know, you know what it's like being in a band, right? You think it's going to take three days, but then a fight happens, and nobody likes the idea that you're doing. And three days becomes two weeks, and all of a sudden everybody's broke. So what you guys decided to do, and just tell me if I'm wrong about this, from when we were hanging out talking. They pay like a like a gym membership, yep. and so it's not like if they go three extra days, it's going to cost them you know an extra thousand dollars, and then they're going to be broke. They buy like a gym membership to Red Thirteen, and they can kind of come in and use the stuff whenever they, whenever it's available, whenever they want, right? So they get basically um, you know they pay the fifty dollars a month, and then they that gives them a discounted uh, use of all of our facilities, whether it's the video side of it, the photo side, or the recording studio, and they get it at a very very minimal rate. That it's twenty five dollars. Hour, um, and that's with an that's engineer huge. or I mean, a videographer right. or a photographer, um, and then we have all these other things as well. We're you know we're basically right now um, looking at some opportunities for investment to expand and get this thing going. But what I'd like to do is have all these stations where they could come in, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. and they don't need anybody to assist them. And if they have a membership, they can come in and just utilize some of these spots, some of these stations, recording stations. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the next. And by the way, thing. I was actually at for those listening. I was actually at your studio. Uh, I came down with I forget who I came down with. I came out with somebody, I think, um, and we were oh Jonathan, and uh, and it's it's first it's huge, all right. So you could have five bands in there at once doing stuff, yep. and it would not even be in each other's way. But second of all, it's beautiful. Like I'm walking, th- I felt I felt like I was in L.A. Like nice. I'm walking, I walked through your sound studio, and then you guys had like another room where the windows were, and then you had another sound studio, then you had a video studio, and every time I turned into another room, it was something else even more spectacular than the last room I was in, and I'm like. How is this guy not like a billionaire already? Like you're a, you're a genius at everything. Everything you've found a way to come up with, you've done it in a way that nobody else has done it. Like you're outside the box, outside the box on all of the projects that you're working on. We're just we're working away. Our biggest thing is you know, and what you saw, and I appreciate that. That's awesome to hear that that you had that first impression because that's what we're we're looking for is to basically have that. And I'm not just kissing your ass. If I thought it sucked, you know I'd no, tell you. No, I know I you sucked, would, and right? I appreciate it. You yeah, know, you know I would. We're, you're a real guy. So um, the only thing that was missing was the girls. There, the were, girls. there were no groupies. Well, you missed. It was an off day. Oh, okay. All right. right. I'll, I'll let you know on the next. Of course, one. the day that I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I told but you. But I, I, I require. I'm still. I'm single again, so I require groupies. All right, cool. So we'll get you on a day when all the models are there. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So basically what it is is we decided we wanted to have an, a feel and aesthetic to the whole place so that there's a vibe when you walk in, right? In which it seems like it, it worked. But um, it, was, it was a wow. Like you opened the door and I was like, whoa, like what is this? Yeah, yeah. It's, we wanted to create that feel that it almost gives you like that L.A. vibe because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. We're, be, we're connecting musicians to the industry as a whole on the real level, on the big level because, you know, like the way I like to compare it right now. New England's number one in universities, right? Number one in the medical field and number one in sports, right? Now, if we were to take the music industry and we were to, you know, utilize it and break it into teams and, you know, Miami is against New England or Nashville's against New England or LA's against, we'd get smoked. Atlanta would be beating us. Everybody would be beating us right now. And that's the whole, you know, the principle of the, our whole team right now. We're, we we want to get New England at the top of the pack. We want to assemble all the artists, all the creatives, everybody that's here in New England that's killing it. Bring them into our house and then and kick ass. There's no question that the music industry has had a tremendous transformation from even 10 years ago. Um, and artists that are coming up, it's going to change. It's going to continue changing. And so artists that are coming up have to find a way to ply their craft to get the word out without getting ripped off, right? They want, they want their music out there. They want their music 
heard and talked about. Um, but they're musicians. They're not writers. They're not producers. They're not uh, marketing people. They come to you. You have all that stuff, right? Yep. So if you're a band and you've got the talent, but that's all you have, five years ago, you had nowhere to go. You'd be playing clubs in Lawrence until someone discovered you. Now you go to Red 13 Creative Studios uh, with Mark, and they walk you through the process. And they've got the friends, and they've got the contacts in the music industry, the writing industry, the marketing industry. And I think, I think you've created something out of nothing, and you created a concept out of nothing that five years from now, people are going to be looking back and going, wow, that's the most innovative thing. I can't believe no one was doing that. That's the plan. And, uh, you know, we're looking to scale this thing and make it go national. Have the ability, if you're a, if you're a member, you can go to Nashville and you could go right to the, the mm-hmm. facility we have in Nashville, the one in Chicago, the one down in Miami. That's We're going to build this thing and we're going to make it so that this is its own scene. And, yeah, we're, our biggest goal is to be get, bring opportunity for all these artists and creators because a lot of them don't understand even how to make any money with their with their craft, and that's the thing. They're all you know they're all just throwing it out there and they're not figuring out how to monetize it and how to create a career. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's how you'll you'll see a great artist and they'll put out music and there'll be a thousand plays on it and that's it. Right. And it's like what the hell? How, why has that only got a thousand plays? It's because no one really understands the whole game and there's a whole concept around how to you know strategically attack your audience and figure out who they are, find the target audience, and then. And smash it and then build a show um, you know a, a, an event around it so that you can monetize it correctly I should have you doing my marketing yeah right I know we've been we've been dancing around it I know yeah. it's just we got busy you got busy and that's how it goes yeah. but I, I'd like to we're gonna we're gonna make I'm it looking happen. forward to it I keep telling everybody like I, I don't care that it hasn't happened yet yeah we both want to work together so that's gonna happen it at will some happen. point we're gonna have yeah, you guys I'm gonna have you guys run all my all my social media stuff monetize everything because um, I'm sick of being poor yeah you know, we had a long conversation yeah. about how, how sick I am of being poor um, but mostly because I give everything away, and so I have to stop doing that too. Um, can I talk about something controversial, or is it all going to be a happy interview? Yeah, whatever you want. All right, so you guys did this video that Rich is in, my daughter's in, Step Out of Line. Um, it made a pretty powerful political statement, and I thought it was very bold, and hopefully you can talk about this a little. Um, it was pretty bold in this left-wing fascist culture that we have where if you express any view outside of the approved CNN view... Um, you're a bad person and you're attacked by the left, you're attacked by Hollywood, you're attacked by CNN and everybody in their, in their, in their network. You released this video, Step Out of Line, that was real. I'll let you, you describe it. But it was pretty politically incorrect, and it has to do with what's going on right now, right? You guys are ahead of the curve on that, too. Yeah. It's about the gun laws, and it's about gun rights, and it's about protecting yourself. Talk about that. Well, I mean, basically, at the time, there was this game that was happening. It was called the Knockout Game, and it was, like, you know, in all these, like, really um, urban areas where kids were just kind of, you know, making it a point to go and randomly sucker punch somebody on the street and it was like this game that they were all playing and it was they thought it was funny and you'd see it on like world star hip-hop and you'd see it everywhere and our take on it was like you know my biggest thing with any of all all this stuff it's like why is this happening like why is this um these violent tendencies happening why are these mass school shootings happen and i think everything ends up staying on the shallow side of it like no one really goes deeper because it's you know it's easy it's an easy target to say oh it's the it's guns or it's this or it's that but it's like no there's there's been a turn in society somewhere where this has all started to happen in, in america and it's it's way deeper than that, you know, and, and I think that's we wanted to kind of portray that and show that in the video where 
it's a, it's a lot. It's a combination of things. It's it's uh, um, the prescription drugs, maybe you know. And th- these are all questions that we're raising in the video. We're not sitting here saying exactly what it is, but it could be prescription drugs. You're not taking a side. This is what, what's brilliant about your video is most people have an opinion, and through their craft, they express that opinion. You didn't do that. You presented the problem. And you did it in a way that makes people think about it maybe differently than the way they were thinking about it. And yeah. that, that's what I try to do in my writing when I'm doing new stuff, right? Um, did you get any backlash from that? I mean, I watched, I watched the video a lot, right? Because yeah, I yeah. listen to music a lot. Um, and every time I watch it, especially at the very end, I go, how the fuck did these guys get away with this? Yeah. Like, no. how, how did YouTube not take it down? How did Facebook not block them? I mean, I express a view on mental health, and I'm blocked for three days. How, how do you do that? Well, I, I mean, the, the funny thing was the timing of that video. We put the video out, and that's kind of when the band had a little bit of a shakeup. So we kind of got stunted on the marketing with it. Um, but we were actually, you know, discussing revisiting it and kind of pushing it because of the, the, the times right now. Um, but, you know, our whole thing was we just wanted to create the conversation and show, you know, every side of it, all the pieces of media, everything that gets exposed everything they, it, it's almost like everybody just wants to enhance stuff to just create an argument as opposed to like really just have a, a, an actual discussion about things right. logical discussions and find out the, the root of problems instead of what's just sitting on the on the top of it, right. you know? Like, everyone's always talking about Band-Aids. It's like, let's really figure out what the hell's causing sure. the issue. Right. Um, and that was kind of what we wanted to get to and show the perspective of everybody, um, you know, every every walk of life in that video is, is in who's affected by these things and then what the outcome could be and why it would happen. And, you know, was, that's mm-hmm. basically what Step Out of Line and was. That, and there were some pretty controversial video shots in that video as well. Um, you know, uh, punching out Miley Cyrus. I clapped the first time I saw it, even though I was alone in my office. Um, and, and then my next thought was, these guys are going to get killed. Hollywood's yeah, yeah. going to kill these guys. Yeah, yeah. And you got no backlash out of it at no, all. No, we didn't. We didn't get enough of backlash. I was. I thought we were going to get. Uh, we were going to get. You know, there was going to be a battle, but there wasn't much. Was, I can help you with that. <laughs> I heard I'm really good. I, at, I heard I'm really good at controversy. You could so rile some people we up. Rile some people yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. We're we're down. Yeah. Listen, I like creating a conversation. I don't. I don't get offended. If anyone gets mad, that right away you win, you win the argument. Right. You know, so it's like a lot of people, if you want to come and you want to have an actual conversation with me, I'll have it all day. But if you're going to get upset and you're going to start name calling, it's like, you lost. You right. already yeah. lost. Yeah. You know, so. I get it all the time. I mean, people are just, just constantly accusing me of being every ism you can imagine, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, anti-Muslim, all this kind of stuff. Um, but then the conversation stops. Because as soon as somebody's accusing you of something, well, you're not talking about the issue anymore. They made it about you. Yeah. Now you're having a conversation about you. You're not solving a problem. Exactly. It seems like that's all we hear today, especially on CNN and, and in the news media. Um, are you worried going forward? Like, what happens with you guys if you start to really peak and all these things start taking off and then the fascists in Hollywood start looking back at what you guys have done, like with Step Out of Line and some of the other stuff? Are you worried that that's, that that's going to hinder your success in the future? No. Really? No, I'm not worried. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. Because you got warriors out here like me who will defend you, but I'm I'm not like you know I'm not meathead, right? I don't yeah, yeah. I don't run Hollywood. So these guys are multimillionaires and they do run Hollywood. I think I can hold my own. I'm not worried about anybody out there. Um, I feel like my views and my stance on everything is is just based off of logic. So it's just based on in understanding the problem, and, and I don't really sway to one side or the other. I just look at the situation. Every situation is different, so I'm not going to have a straightforward opinion across every single 
situation. Right. Every situation is different. Yep. So I think that's kind of one of the things, too. Everyone holds on to their beliefs or what they, they think. And, and then what happens is as, when a situation arises, they already have the belief before they actually dig in and find out what the hell happened. Right. So that's an issue. That's an issue across the country. Everyone's just, they read headlines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No one really digs into the article. No one wants the substance. They don't want to learn what it really is. They just want to pick pile on. You know, yeah. They want to jump on a bandwagon and pretend that they were part of it. It's a buzzword, you know, you know world right now it's like okay what is the next buzzword coming out and let's just jump on the bandwagon and say we're on this side or that side it's like you know there's so many things like when it comes to like in the, the best thing is like right now our, our president donald trump it, he he feeds off of it and he knows it and he utilizes it and some people don't even get that's what he's doing right that he's just manipulating everybody to a point on a way because he knows it's going to get reaction and he knows he's going to get what he wants out of it you know he yeah. uses it as a leverage on every single one and of the news is so stupid they fall for it every single time because they so emotionally hate donald trump that like they were going to talk about him being a russian spy for three days but he like he says to his wife hey watch this and he grabs his phone and he types Kafafi, and that's all they talk about for three days. They won't. They don't. They stop talking about Russia. They stop talking about him being a Nazi. They stop talking about how much. They, and it's all about whatever he tweeted that day. He's 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 a genius. I mean, he's playing them, but nobody's learning anything. Well, I think the biggest thing right now is America is at a point where they had to take a big look at themselves. Right, everyone had to take a, a mirror and and really look at themselves. And if you think about it. America as as a capitalist capitalistic country is in in basically the 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 way we've been moving forward even with the media uh, financially um, just morally everything it's like President Trump is us looking at ourselves right. in the mirror. Absolutely. And nobody likes to see what they, they look like in the mirror. Right. And that's one of those issues. Like, you turn the lights on, you look in the mirror, and you're like, wait a minute. Whoa, that's what I really look like? Right. Fuck that. You right. know what I mean? And that's one of the issues. And so everyone isn't isn't taking it in for what it is. And it's like, okay, listen, if you wanted real change, you need to look at yourself right. first. And if you don't like the way you look, if you don't like Trump, you don't like the way you look, then that's we got to change as a country internally. And that's one of those things that I say is, like, dig deeper. What's the fucking issue here? Right. You know, if you don't like who the president is and you don't like what he's doing well he's the representative of what this fucking country is now right. and how people think and what, how they view things and how they see it and how it's such a you know you know doggy dog world out there it's like well if you don't like that how it is then that's where you make the change right. you don't bitch about it you go what the fuck fuck that we're gonna fix this right i think it's always hysterical when trump comes out and he attacks cnn by name and he says that they're fake news and that they lie. And then, of course, I flip on CNN because I want to. I want to see how they're going to cover it because it's always hysterical. So he says it, and then Jake Tapper comes on and says, "Coming from a guy who lied about how many people were at inauguration and how and this and this and this," and he lists like five things that they think Trump lied about. But what they're not doing is addressing the fact that, boy, if it's wrong for him to lie. How does that make it okay for you guys to lie every single day about him? I mean, if Trump was half as bad as they say he was, they wouldn't have to lie. He comes out and he talks about Mexico, the, the government of Mexico is not sending us their best and brightest, and he makes that famous quote about how they're sending rapists. And CNN takes that, they turn it into he called all Mexicans rapists, and they push that narrative. Now, what he said was pretty bad enough, right? But if he was half as bad as they say he is, why would they have to lie? Why would they have to take what he says? The other day, um, Wien LaPierre said, the head of the NRA, uh, said that some people in the political world, in the news world, are exploiting the deaths of these children. And then the minute he said it, they go back to Wolf Blitzer, and Wolf Blitzer's got on the screen a kid from the shooting and says to the girl, so what do you think that Wien LaPierre just said that you're exploiting the deaths of your fellow students? Now, it's not even close to what he said. Yeah. So I guess my question is like, why? If he was that bad, why would they have to lie? Well, I think I don't even know, I don't even think it's a, 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 the reasoning for why they're lying. I think it's just it's it's creating so much uh, 
so much viewership. It's creating audience. They're making money off of all this. So no right. matter what, it's just like steamrolls. Like, no but they're doing what. everything that, he, that, they, that they're accusing him of doing? Well, it, it's, it, all it is is just like there's a counter-argument here. There's, there's, a, there's a country split. And if you, if you side on one side, you're going to get the views in, from both sides, no matter what. So you've got to draw a line in the middle. That's what media does now. Mm-hmm. That's what the news media does. So they just pick a side right. because they know that they're going to have the support of one side, but they're also going to have the trolls on the other side. So that's all this is what, what this has all become now. Mm-hmm. It's just a big, it's a big stupid fight. See, I always said if I had a, a rich friend, hint, hint, if I had a rich friend uh, who wanted to start a real news network, I could blow away CNN and Fox in one day because it would be called Just News. It would be the Just News Network. And it would be none of these opinion panel shows. It would be none of this, I'm going to tell you what Donald Trump really meant when he said this. It's going to be, here's what Donald Trump said. Here's what the Democrats said. You decide for yourself which is right and then move on to the next story. This pl- CNN spends all day on one flipping story. Like something happens. If there's a shooting right now in Oregon, they're going to talk about that for three days and nothing else. Missing children, Alzheimer's patients that walk away, um, you know, anything else that happens that's news. I mean, Trump could, Trump threw ISIS out of Syria. They never once covered it. Yeah. They were so busy covering whatever the, that news story of the day was. When I was growing up, we had actual news. You put the news on and it was objective, and they told you what happened and then left it for you to think about what that meant. Well, today, they tell you what to think. Donald Trump lied today. Well, if you start off with Donald Trump lied today, how is this news? Well, I think the biggest thing is like the way news is fed to people now, it's based off of social media now. So depending on what your view is, it, it's being read by the algorithms, and they just keep feeding you everything that you already agree to. Or mm-hmm. there's no, in, there's so no it's other, not news anymore. There's no other perspective. So like my thing is I don't follow news at all anymore. Like I don't even watch it. I don't. I don't even have cable anymore. I cut the cord. I do Apple TV. Good for and you. I don't have time to watch any of this shit. Um, I check in on Facebook here and there. And if I when there's a major event, what I do is I always do my homework. I hit every single news station very quickly. Boom, boom. See what everyone's saying. Then I dig in. And then if there's actual AP or there's um, any like actual you know legislation passed or any anything deeper I go as deep as I can to the root and then you know get as much knowledge on it as myself and that way I can have my own opinion on it um, and that's the way I do it but I know that the rest of the country does it because that's a lot of work right that's like you know like fuck that I'm just gonna take the headline and that's what I'm gonna run mm-hmm. with that because I like that yep. and that's all it is so it's like I don't care enough to make my a first assumption I care enough to go deeper if, right. and then it, it's not like an active thing it's like every now and then I check in if there's a real thing going on because you know I'm too fucking busy honestly right. you know what I mean like I have no time in the one day. of the highest compliments I ever got was when you and I were having drinks at Sal's and you said as soon as you go live on Facebook, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I stop what I'm doing, and I, and, and I, and I go to your feed. Yeah. And I was like, wow, if Mark Roberts is saying that, then we're doing pretty good. Well, it's exciting. And my, my favorite thing about you is, like, it's, if there's something local going on, like, honestly, the first thing that I check is your feed because you're, you're in touch locally before everybody else. So on a local level, I check what's going on with you. I see what, you, what you're reporting, and I love reading all the comments because either people hate you or they love you, and it's right. fucking awesome. But they're it's, all on my page. But they're all talking shit, and it's right. awesome. It's, it's it's entertaining. So, like, I'll do that. That's like that's like me kind of, like, taking five minutes out of my day just to, to zone out of something and get entertained. But it's also be, to also be informed. So it's kind of a little bit of both on your page. Um, and then on the national level, it's, I do what I said. I You know, I go and I'll, I'll look at every major news outlet and get an opinion based off of what's all being reported. Um, but I, like I said, at the end of the day, it's all bullshit. Everything is everything swayed. Everyone's pushing an agenda to piss either the other side off and get their support on their side. And it's 
it's it's actually kind of it's sad it's that sad. this is how it's turned out. I think you know? it's a th- I think it's a threat to our democracy because half the country is living in one reality because they're watching CNN, and the other half of the country is living in a totally separate reality because they're watching Fox. And the same event happens, but you have 50% of the country believes it happened one way. 50% of the country believes it happens a different way. And there's no way to square those. There's no way to come to a compromise to actually like solve any problems in our society because everybody's running to their corners. Well, the biggest thing is right now in this, in this world, we are the most communicated we've, we've ever been that we could possibly be. But no one actually utilizes that. So, like... For instance, when something crazy is going on, the first thing I do is I don't go to the news stations, realistically. Um, I go to someone that's going to be on the ground in touch. Like, in, locally, that's you. And then nationally, that's Periscope. So right. what I can do is I can get a feed of what's actually happening there live. And so that, that's how you form your now, own Now, I started opinion. on Periscope. Should I, should I, I stopped Periscope because we couldn't download the video, and I need it for, like, when I'm doing news. Is that worth going back to? Is, is Periscope worth going back to if I'm going to be doing live feeds and I'm going to be doing that kind of stuff? Because you're the genius Well, I think if you can do it on top of everything else you're doing, you should um, because it's location-based, especially if it's a big news story. Nationally, people are going to check in. Like, I remember when uh, the hurricane down in Puerto Rico was happening, I was checking on there in, in, like, in Florida area, and I was looking in, and I was seeing what was happening from the, you know, first, you know, first-person view of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was exciting. And then the same thing with, um, you know, all these rallies that were happening during, you know, tr- Trump's, you know, when he first came into office and all this stuff, I would I would go in there and, and on Periscope, you can see from the, the area and check in and how many people are Periscoping and you can kind of bounce around and see all the different right. views. And that was exciting. And, you know, you bring that up. It, 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 it begs another question. Given that the media lies so much, you would think they wouldn't lie as much knowing that people like you and I can go to Periscope and Twitter and actually look it up and see for ourselves whether it's true or not. 90% of the world doesn't give a fuck to go that deep. That's the right. problem. They right. like the shallow side. They like what's just given them right there. And um, they're not going to go and take the time to go in, in, into those feeds and see and make an opinion on their own. They're just like, oh, I'll take that opinion from somebody else because I don't know it's why. It's easy. It's easy. They, they think it's trusted or they just want to argue with their coworker tomorrow at, at, the, at mm-hmm. the office. You know what I mean? So it's it's a weird world because with all this communication, all this ability to see what's going on, no one really takes the time to do it. Yeah, it's sad. It is. Well, eventually I'm going to run into a rich friend that wants to start a cable cable news station that will blow everybody away, and I will run it. And trust me when I tell you, it's going to be I'll be I'll be taking over the world after that. I'm going to be bigger than uh, we we would be bigger than Zuckerberg because there's a thirst out there for people who do just want news, right? Like people like you don't watch the news anymore because it's bullshit. Yeah. But if it wasn't bullshit, you'd go back, right? If there was a news station that started tomorrow that just gave you news and it would be five minutes in Chicago and five minutes in Miami and ten minutes in LA giving you the biggest news stories in each area or in each state you'd watch that right I know I'd watch yeah, it yeah and, and you know what the, the news is depressing now it's all negative shit it's always like you know what you feel like shit after you watch it right. you're like what the fuck world am I in yeah the whole country's falling and, apart but it's not though there's right. always great things that are happening you just don't hear about them mm-hmm. and it's like it, you gotta give the good with the bad at the same time and if you're not getting it then it's like it, it, you're you're doing something wrong to, to your your viewers. You're, you're you're actually creating a reality for them that's just completely negative. Mm-hmm. And who the fuck wants to live in a negative world all the time? Right. That's stupid. Yeah. You know. Talk about you've got some stuff coming up. I know you've got some projects coming up. Can you talk about any of them? 
Um, I, yeah, I mean, we got a ton of things working right now. Um, you know, we, we launched the membership um, aspect at the at the studio, so that's that thing's rolling really, really. It's like it's moving too fast. I actually just got the uh, the P and L from my finance manager on the way here. And What's it a like P and L? A profit and loss, basically okay. our statement. So it just kind of shows how fast and how um, the, your cash flow, basically, and how everything's working. And our membership is growing too fast for us to even handle it right mm-hmm. now. So that's that's it's a good good prob- problem to it's have. A good problem to have. Right. So um, so that's happening. And then now we're doing some um, partnering with one of um, one of five different major distribution channels. Whether it's one of the three major labels, Warner, Sony. Universal or two of the independents, which is Ingrus or Cobalt. So we're kind of taking agreements right now. We're, we're getting contracts from all of them and we're, we're reviewing them and we're going to actually launch a record label for every for our members, for all the artists in New England and we're going to be able to sign That's people. That's phenomenal. We're gonna be able to you are single-handedly revolutionizing the next, the next step in music production and music marketing. We're doing our best. We're doing something that I think I is swear to God, I think five years from now, everyone in L.A. is going to be copying your model, and they're going to be looking at you going, we got to get this guy on board as a consultant to help us with this because this is the guy that came up with it. Well, I think it's in G- I've never heard it. Maybe there's somebody else out there also doing it. I've never heard anything like that. Well, right, as of right now, no. So we got to keep it quiet until it's... Okay, uh, all right. Uh, fair no. enough. But so, yeah. So we got... There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, we got a new Prospect Hill single that we're sitting on right now that's going to go through this distribution channel. We're basically going to... Can the Valley Patriot have the exclusive when when you're ready you want the exclusive you yeah. want to drop it yeah we can oh, that would be phenomenal so we can we can do all types of stuff we um we the, the song's called get out we were um actually took over spooky world and they allowed us to film the music video there that sounds fun and it was badass it's like a it's a it's a one a, it's kind of another controversial song a little bit it's it just kind of feeds into the fear of like what's going on with all the you know the the mass hysteria and all these issues that go on and how this world is is had you know kind of made that turn into like this really scary evil situation now where you have to worry about mass shootings and bullshit like that. So we kind of touch on that a little bit and it's 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 a cool song. It's a badass song. It's like a, it's it's a heavy one. I know I'm gonna like it before yeah. I even hear it because I've liked everything else that you guys have done. We I, I want to do like four more minutes and I want to bring Patrick up for the final segment. We'll take a quick break and if you want to stay with us, you can. Um, can I bring up the elephant in the room? Is that okay? Sure. So you guys had a breakup at one point and you guys and Adam kind of went your separate ways. And every time I promote you guys on Facebook, some guy comes on and and starts giving us crap about oh yeah they're not together anymore and they had a big fight with Adam and there's still a lot of people out there still thinking about that and still talking about that but you guys have really kind of got back together and you guys have worked out your differences can you just talk a little bit about that because and yeah. I know it's tough right because it, no. it, it was a tough situation but I love Adam and I love every, all, all the guys in your band and I was devastated when I found out that you guys were kind of breaking up and so so happy when I found out that you guys were coming back together it was almost like when Dave came back to Van Halen I was like oh this is great yeah well I mean yeah it seems like there's a lot of people that still don't realize that we're all back together it's funny I see yeah. that all the time too. they remember the breakup but they never remember the, the get together right? yeah yeah and it's 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 fine um what happened was you know I'm such a like driven motivated human and I'm just like I want to go 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 and I want to push this thing to as, as big as I can get it and that takes a lot of focus it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of people moving together as one and what happens is you know as the years go by and you know certain things go on in people's lives within the band um their personal lives and what whatnot um you know things get hard it gets complicated and people sometimes don't really aren't as focused as others and so that's kind of one of the issues that we had and we're like you know we're like brothers no matter what at the end of the day um you know adam if adam called me right now even when we weren't back together if he called me right now he's in the hospital i'd be the first one there you know and that's that's the way we roll 
um, but we just needed to do something in order to kind of change it up and, and get things moving in one direction. And what it did was it actually, you know, it made us stronger as, as a whole, as personally, individually, and then as, as one band. And so when we decided to say, hey, listen, let's bring this thing back together as, as a collective, as the initial group. And we actually brought Andy Bocart back and Andy Tats. Mm-hmm. So he's back. And so now we, we got a band of six right now. we got three guitar players, which we probably don't need, but it's awesome. It's like having the family back in. Um, it's, such a, it's such a group of incredible talent put all together in one band where you've got Adam, who's got like such a distinct voice. He's so fucking talented. I hate the guy. Like You almost want to hate him because he's so talented. And then on top of that, you've got Edgar, who's just as talented, like Edgar was just amazing. He's awesome. Um, and, and you guys, and you guys are all in the same band. Like even you know, the guitarist and the you guys, you guys are all in one. It's almost like Van Halen. I keep going back to Van Halen because that was my favorite band. I, in high I like school. That, that that comparison. I mean, I think Van Halen's one of the greatest bands yeah, ever. Yeah, me but, too. But I, I love to be at that level, you know. But it, you know, like I said, we're we're actually we're gonna be in a in a trajectory very soon with this new record and all the stuff I've been doing behind the scenes that's actually gonna help us and get us even further out there. So, you know, we're looking at a potential. Hopefully, you know, we, there's discussions of maybe like a week to two week tour out in Europe in in June, um, and we're gonna have some. Some new uh, show announcements. We got the uh, Lawrence St. Patty's Day Parade. Excellent. New single coming out. I will be there. So there's going to be a ton of stuff going on this whole year. We're going to be busy. Um, and then I'm thinking 2019 is going to be the year that we might do another full national tour. That'll be awesome. We'll be there no matter where it is. We'll be there for sure because I love watching you guys live. I've gone to see Shakira. I've gone to see Lenny Kravitz. I love, I love going to concerts. They never sound as good in concert as they do in their studio. And anybody who goes to concerts on a regular basis knows that. But if you go to a Prospect Hill concert, you walk out of there going, wow, they're better alive than they are in this studio. And that's, and again, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. If I thought your live show sucked, I'd tell you. Um, I appreciate it. It, it, it. I always have admired people who are, I said it at the beginning, I want to wrap up with this. People who are very good at what they do and are passionate and love what they do. I've always, like Willie Lantigua and I always hated each other, but I always had a respect for him because the guy's a mastermind at politics. Like, he's a genius at politics. And even though we, our personalities didn't get along, I always had tremendous respect for him because he's just so good at what he does. Yeah. And I feel the same way about you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's a labor of love for you, so it's not work, and it shows. It shows that you guys enjoy what you're doing. And I, I hope you guys to have all the success in the world, and hopefully I can at least be in the audience when you're having it because uh, I, I love watching you guys have the fun that you have. I appreciate yeah, Tom. Thank you so, so much, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're welcome to come on in. You're actually going to be at our bash, right? March 23rd, yep. you're coming to the bash? Yeah. Can we get you to, like, maybe get up and sing a song or something? Or? Yeah, if, I'll, I'll try to get out of get there. We've got to get enough beers, get get beers in them first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to get me lick it up a little bit. So, all right, we're going to come. You can stay, you're free to stay if you want. We want to bring Patrick up for, like, two minutes to talk about Twin Light Security because they sponsor the show. And I don't know if I'm actually explaining what they do right every week. But since the guy who owns the company is here, I figure we'll bring him up and we'll just talk a couple of seconds about Twin Light Security awesome. and investigations. We'll be back after this, maybe like a one-minute or two-minute break if we can. I want to thank Stu, Stu Fink, our fine producer, and, of course, my photographer, Rick.
Hi, I'm Joe Zingales. And I'm Rosanna Zingales-Lopez. We advertise in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. Hi, I'm Allie from EISA. We provide security, investigations, and training. We advertise in the Valley Patriot. Why? Because it really works. Twin Lights Security and Investigations advertises in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. But don't take our word for it. Just ask our advertisers. They'll tell you advertising in the Valley Patriot newspaper really works. Now we get back to the final segment of Paying Attention, and here's your host, the one and only Tom Duggan. Yeah, that's what they tell me. I'm not too sure how true that is. I want to thank uh, Mark Roberge. I want to thank uh, Karina Papalato uh, and Brooke from the Daybreak Homeless Shelter, Great Alliance Psychological Center, um, and we'll do all that stuff at the end of the show. We have like three minutes left, two and a half minutes left, and I wanted to bring up Patrick McLaughlin from Twin Lights Security and Investigations because every week I talk about your show. I talk about your business on the show because you sponsor the show. Thank you for that, by the way. Anytime. Um, because it helped us to get this show off the, uh, off the ground. Um, but I'm not sure how, how well I'm describing it, so I said, well, he's here. Let's bring him up and talk about Twin Lights security. Because you could do two different things. You do security, but you also do investigations. Yeah, um, you describe us okay, not perfectly. Um, first, I want to let you know that to follow um, Mark was kind of exciting. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a former drummer also. I used to be in a 80s cover band. Um, we, we did Sticks. We did um, Michael Jackson. You know, we, we did Streisand. It was on um, Gloucester High School marching band. Okay. So, anyway... Was good. So, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Okay. Well, go on. No, so, so, so Twin Lights, uh, and we appreciate your advertising with us. We certainly appreciate it. Tell people what it is Twin Lights does. Like if someone call, if someone needs your services, they may not know they need your services because they may not know what your services are. Right. So tell them what it is that you do. Well, mostly we do, you know, private security. You know, we've, we've worked a couple of movies, uh, three of them. We did the Detroit movie. Um, that's where I met Mike Thibodeau. Um, Great guy. The, the true, yeah, he is. He's, uh, he's a hard worker, too. Um, we've done a Larry David movie with, um, um, I forget the name of the movie, actually. The Larry uh, Cla- David movie? Yeah, Claire History. I'm sorry. And then um, we worked with Adam Sandler for uh, Grown Ups 1, you know, and we did the security, not at the movie, but we did it at where they lived, you mm-hmm. know, so it was kind of exciting. Um, but mostly we do, like I said, just private security. You know, we do events. You know, we do movies. We we uh, do security at a private um, housing area. And we're getting into a little bit of retail security. You mentioned that earlier this morning. Yeah, like the Burger Kings and the McDonald's. Yeah. I know McDonald's in Lawrence, you you go through the drive-thru because you have to. Because if you yeah. get out of your car, someone's going to assault you asking you for a cigarette or a dollar because that's right. where the homeless hang out. Yeah. Um, one day... Um, I drove up to a McDonald's, and there was two guys right out at the drive-thru window, you know, one on either side, and now I'm expected to pay for my meal going through the drive-thru with um, two guys that I don't recognize. And I just imagine, like, an elderly person coming up and doing that, and it it didn't seem right to me, so I I talked to the person about that, and um, he had mentioned that he was going to try and get the police to come up and do, um, you know, some rounds, but I said, hey, by the way, you know, I do private security. And you so, do investigations, too, so yeah, someone's yeah. getting divorced or something? Yeah, or? It's, it's, mostly, um, it's mostly marital stuff or, you know, children issues. Um, and, you know, private investigation, it's a job where a 50% approval rate, um, rating is pretty good because half the people I meet hate me. Um, that's but, good, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. In yeah. my world, that's good. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, we do a little bit of that. Mostly we focus on the security, but you know, I'm a constable, so the private investigation helps with that as right. well, you know, because I have to serve papers, I have to find out where they are and track them down. And How do so people forth. get in touch with you if, they, if they're looking for somebody for security, if they're looking for somebody to do investigations? How do they get in touch with you? Well, my phone, 978-427-4471. They can call me there. Um, the website, uh, Twin Light Security. And it's Twin Lights with an S. Yeah, it's, um, it's basically after um, the, the two lighthouses on Thatcher Island. I wanted like a Gloucester, Rockport, iconic, you know, thing for people to recognize uh -huh. us. So um, that's kind of where we got the name. Fantastic. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming in. I'd be happy to have you on and give you some more time if you ever want to come in and talk about security stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, today I'm a little bit nervous. You know, I, That's okay. I grew up being a shy guy. Now they call it social anxiety. Right. So, <laughs> listen, um, I appreciate what you've done for us more than you know, and we're going to do everything we can to give you as much love and hopefully get you as much business as we can. And I really do want you to come back. And please come to our yeah. charity bash. We'd love to oh, have absolutely. you. Absolutely. We'll be here. And, uh, and w I think when you see what we do in the room that night, you guys, you, you we're going to be married together forever. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, everybody. I want to thank Twin Lights Security and Patrick McLaughlin. Um, I also want to thank uh, Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales from Team Zingales, um, Century 21 in Lawrence. A&M Auto Body. Make sure you go see Angelo. If you get a ding in your car, you get into an accident. He brought his business into Lawrence from, the, from South Boston. I don't know anybody doing that, so he's a pretty dedicated guy. And I've seen some of the work he does. He's in the old Metropolitan Building in Lawrence. So uh, make sure you uh, go see Angelo at a and Auto Body. And tell him I told you to go see him, and he will give you a discount, and he'll take care of you. Thank you, everybody, for, the paying, for watching the Paying Attention, listening to the Paying Attention podcast. We will see you next week. In an in, in upcoming show we've got, not next week, but in a couple of weeks, we've got the governor of New Hampshire is going to come in to talk about the opioid crisis and Lawrence. How about that, right? So Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. Telling you to go home. Telling you to go home. Telling you to go home. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.